Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about the holiday classic that ruined microwaves for all of us, Gremlins. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Uh, Important matters. We're doing another Dick Miller movie. (laughs) Uncle Willie's back, motherfucker. He's got one character trait, and it's xenophobia. Yeah, it's it's I feel like I feel like I preferred Demon Knight where his one character trait was likes boobs. Um <laughs> yeah. Not a not a huge jump up, but I feel like that's a little better. Uh also, next up my frequent collaborator, comic book artist and certified vampire aficionado, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I'm still trying to unwrap a lot of things about this movie. Um part of which is the casual just the how everyone is very casual about animal murder but you know um there but there's that's the least of it so let's sure get going it. yeah and our special guest tonight writer extraordinaire co-creator of ignition and cash and carry and the writer of the upcoming fast break it's sean Pryor. how are you sean yo jeremy i'm doing good uh thank you and, and emily and, and ben for having me on the show i will say this i was eight years old when this movie came out i saw this movie in the movie theater hadn't revisited hadn't revisited this film in a very long time and um yeah there's no way that this gets made now and if it does and if it does it's on a completely different tilt and slant i know we'll talk about that later um but like it did bring up it did bring up some good memories and it also reminded me of um how i felt how eight-year-old me felt first watching this movie so yes yeah all all i could feel while watching this movie was every editor i've ever pitched def to going who is this for who is this for? What age yeah. is this meant for? Because like that's that's thoroughly all the way through. Before we jump I'll into t- this, I'll though, tell you who it was made for. It was made for Joe Dante, <laughs> specifically Joe Dante. Yeah. Uh, before we jump too far into that, Sean, I uh, did say to talk a little bit about Ignition, your comic book. Now you have a Kickstarter on that going right now. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, it's the final issue of Ignition. It's a double size issue three. Um, it's going to be fifty six. It's 56 pages. It's 56 page finale. Uh, Ignition is um, co-written by myself, by me and Jenilyn Wright, featuring the artwork of Kelly Guillory and uh, coloring uh, by Christina Pogue. Uh, Ignition logo created by Jay Reed. Um, it's a story about a um, disgraced race car driver who ends up having to take transporter jobs to make ends meet. And she ends up taking a job from a gentleman by the name of Spencer Avery. And it ends up being a job that uh puts her in extreme, in extreme danger uh, with more twists and turns than um, your average Fast and Furious movie or Drive or The Transporter for that matter. Um, it's action-packed. It's full of surprises. Um, I love this miniseries and I'm not just saying that because like I get to, you know, I get to make something else with really cool people. Um, this has been one, probably one of the more fun projects that I've done and every project I've done is fun, but this one it just really strikes a note with me. And um, just trying to raise $8,000 to, uh, to reach our goal. And you can check it out. And you can go to the Kickstarter by going to theignitioncomic.com. It will take you right to the Kickstarter page. It's fantastic. Nice. Yeah. Everyone, uh, make sure you go support the awesome Kickstarter project. 
Thank and you. we'll have some of that in the uh, the show notes as well when we release the episode. So you'll be able to click the link. Link yeah. to the doobly-doo. And I, I can testify. I have the first couple issues. It's a great and beautiful series. So it's yep. definitely worth I'm, jumping in there. And if you haven't read any of it, you know, I'm sure there's a tier where you can go ahead and get the whole thing right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Emily, you talk about people being casual towards animal death in this movie. The level of casualness people are about an entirely new creature that they've never seen before that defies all logic and imagination. Fucking Corey Feldman sees Gizmos like, eh, whatevs, 3D comics. Yeah, yeah, it's mind boggling. It's like, um, this is a mythical creature that fucking speaks and has all these crazy rules. And he was like, eh, you know, it's fine. It's fully sentient. Yeah, but it's put on these comics. They're three dimensional. Dad says at one point in the store, this is exactly what I've been looking for. How? How? You didn't know this existed until 30 seconds ago. I mean, that dad... Uh, I've got to love him. He's full of shit, but I got to love him. He's just dumb as fuck. This yeah, is this, so there's there's a lot of strange things about this movie. The strangest, I think, starts with just the the basics of it here. And it is directed by Joe Dante, but it's written by Chris Columbus. Like, and if you've watched the Home Alone films or the first Harry Potter film, like. Those are Chris Columbus directed films and, and, you know, he's done a lot of the writing on those as well. So like, think about that and then think about Joe Dante guy who more or less got famous for like making piranha. Like, you know, he's, <laughs> he makes a lot of like real weird, real bloody, often full of nudity, uh, like eighties horror films. And then it's the cast is so strange because you have Zach Galligan and then you have Phoebe Cates and then you have, like Billy's best friend, Zach's best friend, is played by Corey Feldman, and like Billy's never a red flag when a grown man's Corey Feldman's like yeah. ten. Never <laughs> a red flag when a grown man's best friend is a small child. So there's a reason for that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty clear that this is like a a weird leftover for there having been several drafts of this film, um, mm-hmm. along with the fact that when he discovers this weird creature, his first instinct is to uh, take it to a elementary school science teacher. <laughs> He did, doesn't even go for his high school science teacher. He takes it to his elementary school science teacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it could be a combined... It's supposed to be like small town America, right? It could be a combination school. I, uh, there's so many characters. The first like hour of this movie spends all its time establishing the characters of this town who will all completely disappear like, right. as soon as the gremlins show up. And not only that, though, but it's also a thing of if when you watch the movie... Um, Am, am I supposed like you know when I was a kid I didn't think about anything about it but now I watch it now I'm like am I supposed to care for any of these people right? am I legitimately supposed to care for any of these people because so many of these characters are either just aloof to the entire situation or then when danger finally strikes you're, you're like well you were an asshole you know in your moment on, on film so why should I care about you oh yeah the police officers one of whom played by fucking Jonathan Banks of Breaking Bad yeah, yeah with fucking hair. amazing. I was looking at him and I was like, what the fuck? Mike. I know this guy. I know this voice, <laughs> but I've never seen hair on this head before. <laughs> uh, there's the scene where they are actively watching a man be torn apart by gremlins and they're just going, huh. Look at him. That window. 
Isn't that interesting? Produced yeah. by Steven Spielberg, no less. Like, I know cops Ooh. in horror movies are always useless, but these feel particularly useless. Steven Spielberg, who's referenced several times and has a brief cameo in the movie. Um, mm. It's so, so strange. Uh, and like we said, Dick Miller's also in it. Uh, Hoyt Axton plays the, the dad, uh, Rand, who is like really prominent in the movie for like the first 10 minutes and then leaves and then he narrates the film in the very beginning and the very end and (laughs) there's so many weird as hell decisions in this film i love it and he's in a totally different movie like he's not even in the movie during the story that he's narrating he's at an inventors conference that was scheduled for christmas eve yes with robbie the robot yeah, with Robbie the robot and H.G. Wells's time machine, because we had to fucking get those Easter eggs. And Steven Spielberg on a on a tricycle. So mm-hmm. yeah, like Hoyt Axton's only purpose is to be the catalyst, is to basically drop off the catalyst for the film, say goodbye, come back at the end with some narration, <laughs> well, no, even sing we, a song or two. Well, That's no, because we pop back in and see what he's up to so weirdly often he's like the one character the movie does like i feel like anytime they didn't know how to end a scene or what to do next there's like ah we'll just fucking cut to hoyt axton for two minutes and then we'll just swing back and something new will be happening yeah. it's like yeah, punctuation like they yeah. just like okay so uh instead of just doing it's him on his phone with robbie the robot yes being a useless ass inventor mostly living off their kid's bank teller salary and they can still afford that goddamn house because it's the fucking 80s and this world is 100 percent in the same world as that makes sense and that's uh back to the future so like meanwhile this dude is trying to invent all this shit and like doc brown is over in hill valley like actually doing it yeah. and they're and doc, they, doc brown was working with plutonium he is futzing around with like, have you, has this ever happened to you? Like mm. devices, they are not the same. Barney and Einstein at some point are going to meet and talk about their fucked up owners and the fucked okay. up life that they've had. Another point of Barney: Why did the dad take him? Why did the dad take the dog to his inventor's conference? Because that dog had a price on his head. Yeah, was, because yes. that fucking old bitch was going to put him in her dryer yeah and well, all of the people at the bank are like that'll do it <laughs> yeah. what is up with that old man who's just like yeah yeah no that ought to kill a dog i know i'm speaking from experience here who is this old man who is not only like not reacting but just casually like agreeing yep okay, okay. Like that. so let's, okay. let's read the imdb on this real quick a young man inadvertently breaks three important rules concerning his new pet and unleashes a horde of malevolent mischievous monsters on a small town inadvertently i mean i guess just he breaks two rules and is tricked into one of them yeah he got he got him he got the mogwai wet i'll give you that and then he was tricked into feeding them after midnight i think he forgot the bright lights thing immediately he just yeah is like why don't we expose him to bright light oh shit that's right that was one of the things they're yeah. so inconsistent about the bright light rule. The there's dad, one, there's one fucking grandma who's just like fucking making wires spark right in front of their face, just going like, "Ooh, pretty." It's different. Mm-hmm. It's cold. It's warm light. They don't like cold light. Only warm or warm light is okay because fire is okay. 
Mm-hmm. It's important. Sunlight, on the other hand, bad. Yeah. No, not good. Not good. Yeah. So, uh, guys, I, would we say this is spoopy as in not scary, spooky as in a little scary, terrifying as in very scary, or just existentially disconcerting? Sean, what do you think? Um, I would say now, current would say it's uh, spooky. Eight year old me when this came out, um, existentially, existentially disconcerting. You know, it just. <laughs> because uh, like the whole time i'm watching this i'm like am i actually supposed to be here watching this uh like the whole time like gizmo is like oh gizmo's awesome he's cute he's adorable but everything else i'm like am i mom am i supposed to be here for this clearly doesn't know if it's a kid's movie or a kid's horror movie or if it's just like i'd say this movie has an identity crisis but it feels very comfortable with it's like all the identities because it's the 80s yeah. yeah. And this and this is what a lot of 80s cinema did, um, you know, because like, and I'm sure many of y'all know, know this, know this already. But like this movie, along with Indiana Jones and, and the uh, the Temple of Doom, and I think like one other film, oh, and it, I think all three of them Spielberg had involvement in Gremlins mm-hmm. in a producer role, Indiana Jones in a director role. And I forget the third one, but it was still involved with Spielberg. Those three films were one of the reasons why. The MPAA was like, okay, look, you got to stop doing this because like people kept complaining, like you're telling us that we can bring our kids to this PG rated film, but like you're doing all this wild stuff. So that's when Spielberg went to the MPAA and said, okay, well, won't we just come up with something in between PG and R? Let's make PG 13. Because that's so so, that final gremlin's death, I imagine, was pretty damn traumatic for at eight years old. Yeah, well, the thing thing was like I was scared shitless. Like, and then because the thing is, young me, you know, like I'm not a big fan of like horror movies. I, I've never really been a big fan of horror movies because, like, as a kid, I scared very easily, and like stuff just just stay in my head, and it won't it won't leave. So that's all I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. So watching Gremlins, when I see you know Gizmo, I'm like, oh, Gizmo's cool. He's cute. That's Gizmo's also so cute. So, the, but then when you see Spike and the actual other Gremlins, they're either always in a menacing light or they are comedic in like sinister ways or like they're just like doing whatever is like hot in you know in in the the eyes of like america at that time you know because like there's a scene where like you know they're break dancing and and doing a bunch of like wild jazzercise gremlin yes like 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 they're yeah, always like this. evil bugs bunny he's just this, all over the this place wasn't my first time seeing gremlins but it was my first time seeing it since having seen gremlins 2 which is a thing oh yeah that's a complete and, satire and complete. i wanted yeah. to see if i could see because to me i always remember gremlins as being very like kind of grounded in its horror and so i wanted to see if they're you know relatively as far as mischief monsters on christmas go sure yeah i mean um, there you go yeah like and i want to see if i could find part of that energy that gives you the sequel i was looking for the bridge and then we get to that bar scene with the gremlins and i was like there it is this is the energy that the entire gremlins 2 would run on and then going down that rabbit hole really leads to the fact that explains everything about gremlins 2 uh the studio tried to make it a few times without Joe Dante. It fell apart. Joe Dante only agreed to return if he was given complete creative control and triple the budget. 
They didn't have the Hollywood sequel, Doctor. It's all, this is all, this is, Gremlins 2 is Joe Dante uncut. Just pure Dante. It's it's Joe Dante without the Chris Columbus, like. Yeah. yeah. And we're talking about uncut cocaine as well. Chris Columbus is not putting in fourth wall breaking Hulk Hogan cameos. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, so it doesn't I, have jingle bells in the soundtrack. Chris Columbus wasn't involved. Like, you know. Yeah, if there wasn't any sort of whimsical soundtrack at all. Now, this movie for me, I mean, you watch it now and it's spoopy. And, but it also has some existentially terrifying elements now just realizing the context. Like you have this movie with like cigar smoking gremlins and jazzercise gremlins and spoilers, a story about a man dying asphyxiating in a fucking chimney and it's oh my god that scene okay dark. are we ready to let's, talk about now let's, let's talk about that one when we get there yeah, uh, yeah i just want to say that um when i first saw this movie i was like six or seven and it was on a tape that had both gremlins and ghostbusters on it after ghostbusters that, is another example of just like yeah that they got away with in the 80s that had no business being in a kid's movie Yes. Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost. Yeah, and then, but, like, I was not into refrigerators after that movie. Like, we had a neighbor <laughs> that had a library line on their on their post office, like, or their post office, their post box, like, one of those brick post boxes, and I was terrified. Like, I had, could look at it because I thought it was going to come alive and, like, fuck up my kitchen and live in my refrigerator <laughs> because of <laughs> these, these movies had blended in my mind. <laughs> Now, now, what is the the scariest thing to me now? Because this is clearly on the spoopy side for me throughout. I think the thing that is the most bothering is the uh, anti-Asian like racism and xenophobia, both coming from Dick Miller's character, which is like knowing, you know, uh, racism. They're like, oh well, this this guy is is bad. Like he's basically Ralph Cramden in this movie. I guess um, the only grace we got of Dick Miller's character was that he never dropped an actual slur. He got specific. He just kept it all purpose foreign. Yeah. But then like I mean, the, the first scene where they, they go to the market in Chinatown to pick up the uh Mogwai oh in the first god. place is like it's oh my god. It's very like it's in so many 80s movies. Oh my god. Literally they walk in and the music gets racist. (laughs) Yo, the dad says something and then the a gong like sounds. When he's like dragon breath, and then he looks down at the dragon. Yes, he says dragon breath, and there's a gong. What the fuck? I will say, I mean, one, I mean, this so the scene is thoroughly racist. However, and there there are two things that they don't do which i thought they would do and they didn't one is the kid dressed up like short round does not sound like short round okay they, what i thought that this kid was also a reference to short round but this in temple of doom came out the same year with steven spielberg just like give me asian kids and yankee hats i think he was just trying to cross like there you know it's on the same universe <laughs> And Back to the Future, but like, okay, so they, the uh, while the old Asian wise wizard man with the fucked up eye, excuse me, the one, the the white eye, he had a contact in, <laughs> but I mean, like, this is the, uh, this is this is the silhouette, you know, like this watching, is our our cartoon character here. Uh, watching this scene made me feel like I needed to go back and watch Big Trouble in Little China just to like 
wash this scene off. Even though like Big Trouble in Little China has also, I mean, I, I have things to say about Big Trouble in Little China as well, but um, they don't, neither of them have a bad accent and they're, they're both actually played by um, Asian actors. So yeah. we are at least that step further from Seven Faces of Dr. Lowe. Um, and yes. the old man particularly is played by, oh, I don't know how to exactly pronounce his first name, uh, K.E. Luke. Uh, he played, he was the original Kato in Green Hornet. Uh, and he was in a whole bunch of stuff, a uh, very prominent uh, Asian American actor in the mid 20th century. Cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like these this movie actually has a lot in common. Uh like as far as the stated lesson of it with Big Trouble in Little China, which is like generally there's a lot of like Eastern exoticism in it, but they're like, oh, and white people shouldn't mess with shit. <laughs> white people should yeah. just leave shit alone <laughs> and yes. knock this off because they you all don't know what you're doing and you can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the whole casualness of it all too, as far as far as when you know the family gets the green, you know, gets the magwai. It's just the whole everything is just casual to emphasize the point. You really don't need to be fucking with this. Yeah. You're gonna destroy a whole town, but you're just treating this as if as if it's just something you're supposed to have because you're a white family and you deserve everything. So I love to take it. At the end of the movie, when he shows up and the dad's like, Oh, this is the man I but uh, the Mogwai from, and he's just like, and Mr. Wing's just like, yeah, but that's a way to put it. <laughs> yeah, you fucking took it. I told you no, and you did it anyway. I mean, the little kid did like come in because he's like, ah, we need money. But yeah, I told you you couldn't have it. And then you gave my kid 200 bucks behind my back and took it anyway. Yeah, you took advantage <laughs> of my of my grandson or whatever. And basically mm-hmm. was like, I'm just going to fucking walk away with this thing that I know nothing about. Yeah. This species of being that you had no idea even remotely existed. Again, why does nobody freak out about the existence of this species completely unlike any other species known to exist? Because they're white people. (laughs) This actually is like, I gotta monetize this. And I'm like, fuck, what was up with Ghostbusters? And what was up with Ghostbusters and Gremlins and being like, fucking the existence of the supernatural time for capitalism well i mean it's the 80s and it's, i mean <laughs> I, I really this is the most my... reagan heavy movie oh yeah <laughs> oh my God. like oh nobody yeah. actually says reagan on screen but like i'm this... surprised the radio at sunrise doesn't literally say and it's morning in america yeah well and then the the whole speech about like kate's whole thing about a suicide on christmas anyway oh my god kate has the most hardcore fuck can we talk about that line because it is let's let's say crazy let's say uh that's the end of our non-spoilery section such as we want to talk about trigger warning speaking of of the uh uh, i mean we we said there is uh anti-asian racism xenophobia there is violence to animals again in this um yeah, uh, there is some some elderly, elderly abuse. violence, um, <laughs> but we don't like it. Woman so arguably it's... has it coming, but yeah. like the whole the whole movie, like it's like I said, when you're young and you're watching this, you're not really thinking about the fact that like Billy has a job working as a bank teller, but he wants to be an artist, but he's essentially providing for the family because like I can't because I can never really recall what the mom does for a living because it's She's the eighties. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the 80s, so she's they're like, you know, women, you know, women, like, are, women are homemakers and the dudes go work. She's, she's you know, no Holly Guerrero. 
you know it's just, it, but it's but it's just bizarre you, you know, it's just bizarre because once again when you're watching this it's like okay who is this movie really talking you know because then like if i'm a kid i'm like oh, okay i'm supposed to i guess i'm supposed to like be with Corey feldman and like relate with his character and i'm like nah even as a kid i'm like i'll relate to this kid this kid's an asshole yeah so you, you know and so um do we think that Randall Peltzer has an agree. No, he doesn't have. <laughs> I, I, I'd be surprised if he has a, a high school diploma. Yeah, um, like that. Like, that guy. Like and then and the fact that like his his wife is so encouraging and just like lets all these inventions just slide. Like, oh, that's cute, baby. Oh, that, that's cute, baby. Oh, she that, even uses them when he's not around. Mm-hmm. She knows they don't work, and she they still tries. They're death traps. And Billy. Yeah. Like one of them, the scene, like the scene with Billy trying to use the uh, the juicer, is probably the scene with the most pathos of any of the characters in the film. <laughs> As he's looking at this, and he's like, "You see the conflict in his face of like, I want to believe in my dad, but I know this is a disaster, right? And I just want orange juice, right? I I gotta say, I was very just consumed with the physics of how much juice involved this one orange was creating i mean if they could just if they could capture that i mean over juicing an orange like they were juicing the rind they were juicing so like the whole tree that that orange was from there was like an interdimensional portal to the orange dimension there is definitely plutonium in more than one of these devices that this dad has created like all right dad bad news you mailed a terrible juicer good news you figured out how to create matter you know i wonder if if later in life billy peltzer meets marty mcfly and billy peltzer's like you don't understand the privilege that you had like mm. your your weird inventor relative actually could do shit <laughs> he, he, you just point, took his fucking car you had an old he man had, friend i had a child friend yeah <laughs> he at one point has like the smokeless ashtray which as far as i could tell it's just an ashtray with a lid on top yeah right yeah it's it's just but it's the 80s so it's ridiculous because in the 80s the 80s were filled with what you know with inventions and like gadgets and and like tchotchkes that never worked or kind yeah, of worked for a day and then that stuff picked up again in the 90s and now it's it's back it, it's yeah. back more now but more of those things work actually it's in the bed um, and beyond i love yes. that scene because you don't get an establishing shot that he's in a gas station so you just smash cut from whatever gremlins horror it was to him just accosting an old man in a wall-to-wall cigarette shop yeah trying to sell him <laughs> gadgets yeah i didn't know that, that was a gas cigarette shop no we don't learn that that was a gas station for like fucking 20 minutes yeah i thought it was like the, the archives or because okay so this movie takes place in small town america matte painting america um this picturesque matte painting of uh, snow in a, that is filmed in a place that obviously does not get snow because everything is flocked. I'll talk about that in a minute. But you wouldn't know that this is the actual setting of the movie because it starts out in Chinatown, not just Chinatown, question mark, I assume not the Chinatown of this small town America. It's Chinatown like, USA. It was Chinatown presumed, USA. Yeah. Also the movie Chinatown. Because, I, I, dude, is it it's not so the fucking... Chi- the Chinatown of this Illinois suburbs. I, 
I don't think so. There seem to be more people in this first scene in Chinatown than there are in the rest of the movie. Yes. What if yeah. this, maybe they live in White Town? <laughs> I mean, you it's it's like no matter what angle you look at maybe, it, it's yeah, white it's, as fuck. He is in like Falls. seedy noir Blade Runner colored Chinatown. Yeah. Maybe like, Kingston Falls takes place entirely in China and this is just like White Town. And what kind of dude is looking for an investor in his inventions in a basement shop in Chinatown. He is a door-to-door tchotchke salesman. Yeah, Yeah, but he's like, please invest. Because like, how many of these things has he made? You know, like he's had a few of them. But he's like, please invest in my bathroom buddy. Mm -hmm. It is fucked up. Um, That that once again goes towards... 80s filmmaking and 80s storytelling where you would just allow them. You yeah, would yeah. you would you would allow this in order to service the story and to service the character. And also, but also back then, it also once again, it being the 80s, there were people that would still go door to door and to try to sell try to sell a dream to somebody. Um, yeah. there's still people that go door to door now, but not nearly as much as they used to because folks don't like opening their doors, no answering their phones, and I can't blame them. So yeah. um so like so like that's why like so much of this film if you try to remake it you can't do a lot of the things that have been done in this film outside of the stereotyping outside of the outside of the ignorance and whatnot there's like a lot of things that you just can't do because society has changed so much like in the last 40 years you know like um you know because this movie does rely heavily on commerce it does talk about commerce it does talk about jobs um you know and how like you know the teens or People in their early 20s don't know what they want to be. So they're in this constant state of confusion, trying to like find out, find themselves. But in the midst of trying to find themselves, they have to have these nine to five jobs because nine to five jobs are what your dad and mom had. So you need to have that too. And, you know, and don't worry about anything else because that nine to five is your future for the next 40 years. So like they try to like instill and they try to instill that. You don't really believe it because like you don't believe you don't believe Billy because Billy is a 19 or like 20, so like maybe a 19, 20 something year old who's acting like they're 13. Yeah. And it's, it's a really weird yeah. depiction like- of, of our protagonist of this like family horror noir question mark film that mm-hmm. um, Billy's such a soft boy. I mean, he's, but that's the thing is usually when you have the, the teen or mid, like preteen or whatever main character, they're not working a nine to five job in this kind of film, you know, like they're in school. I feel like that was all just this movie, especially in the first act is just oozing to its core with it's a wonderful life. Oh yeah. It really wants to get edit the wonderful life i mean down to like the the rich woman is is very like the poly holiday character mrs deagle mm-hmm. is uh mm-hmm. almost like scene for scene the same as the you know evil banker from it's a wonderful life he doesn't he works at a bank not a credit union but it's a small bank and like it's oh, run man. locally and they let him keep his dog under the table at work which is i was like really what that's weird, but I mean, sure. Yeah. Mrs. Deagle. We get introduced to Mrs. Deagle when a family's like, hey, we're going to have money, but can we have a little more time to pay? And she's like, 
no. And then the mom and the kids walk off and the kid just one line is, mom, I'm hungry. And she says, I know me too. Yeah. It, I mean, she might as well have Tiny Tim on her shoulder. Like, yeah. if you're wondering where that storyline goes, fucking nowhere. Yep. Oh yeah, this was there to establish dropped. the evils of capitalism in this town uh, mm-hmm. as personified by Mrs. Deagle. I do want to say there's this great bridge between these two movies the noir movie that is the first five minutes where the dad picks up the Mogwai at the uh, shop in Chinatown to the Christmas comedy that the rest of the movie is purporting to be at this point. And that is that we drop Darling Love singing uh, Christmas Baby Please Come Home in there, which is all you need to establish that a movie is happening at or around Christmas. <laughs> like it's yeah. the best Christmas song. Yeah. It's objectively like, they're like, boom, Christmas. You don't need to flock an entire town. At one point, the mom is watching It's a Wonderful Life. Yep. And she says, oh, I'm watching this sad movie. Has she seen It's a Wonderful Life? That movie is very well known for its notoriously. Ha- it has sad moments, but overall, that is a very happy ending movie. Yes. Maybe she never saw the ending because she was always she always cut herself because she was cutting onions while she was fucking watching a movie. Yeah. Yeah. That was quite bizarre, too. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, there's, there's TV's so many in people kitchen, watching I movies guess. in this movie. It's it's so interesting to me that like Gremlins is a movie that is referenced so often by other movies and uh, other other things. But then Gremlins is one of the first movies that I remember making these kinds of references. Like it's just chock a block with like mm-hmm. as he's walking by the theater. There's you know two Spielberg movies up there on the thing and. Clearly, the radio DJ is Steven Spielberg, and like they're watching It's a Wonderful Life, and later they're watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and uh, they're watching a like Hart Gable movie in the middle of it that like yeah, it's, yes. about, it's about racing. I've never seen it before. Fifties B horror is at one point just being watched and feels like one of the bigger influences on the movie. Oh yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's it costs 11, 11 million to make, which back then in the eighties, which is that's that's eh, probably like that's not blockbuster money, but like it's let's say it's around, but it's still a lot of money in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, where if you get into the nineties, then then it's an eleven million dollar film, and like the studio's open for at least fifty or sixty in sales, whereas opposed to eleven million back in the eighties is like, well. Okay, we're risking a little bit with this, but it's got so it's got Spielberg's name on it, so we'll be okay. Um, but it still plays like a cheap horror movie, like a cheap B yeah. horror movie, like like Ben said. It it plays like that. Some spots it's filmed like that, but it's directed by Joe Dante, so you're gonna get that feel. Yeah. You're gonna get that appeal. This um, movie uh, you know. was. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 please. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, this movie was a very big hit uh, on that $11 million budget. It mm-hmm. made uh, $213 million at the box office. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it made $80 million in video rental sales. $80 million in video Holy. rental sales. So, like, it, this, there's no question that, like, Warner Brothers and Amblin got all the money for this mm-hmm. for this film. Instead of which, then Warner Brothers is like, yeah, you're going to give us another one, for sure. Um, but, um, but which is also kind of funny because once again, we're talking about like, you know, capitalism and, you know, the, 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 the issues of capitalism in this movie and how capitalism motivates everybody's got a, a motive, not everybody, but like 
like the scientist has a motive, like the scientist just got, got a motive, wants to like, you know, drain their blood and try to like figure out this, that, there, and the third. But like, you know, there's other folks like, well, you know, we can monetize this. We can monetize this. We can yeah. monetize, you know, we can I, do something with these gremlins. I can't blame that elementary school teacher. That was his ticket out of this fucking elementary school full of white kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, definitely. Fucking, yeah. Oh, and but the thing is, as soon as Billy put the water on the gremlin, the water on the mogwai, I'm looking at I'm looking at Glenn, the actor Glenn Turman, who uh, who could have been Han Solo. Um, but like uh, but back in the day, uh, the movie studio was like, hey, man, you can't have you can't have a black man and a white woman together on the same in the same scene and, and have somewhat of a love interest. We can't play that in the South. We're, fam. we're good with the brother sister deal, but you got right. yeah. <laughs> nothing. Anything else is a no, no. But he wasn't running to play Han Solo back in the day. Oh, wow. But, I, I remember as soon as Billy put the water on the mogwai, I looked at my mom and I was just like, I was like, he going to die. I was like, he's going to die. She was like, you don't know. He's like, well, he's like, well I'm going to pull some blood, get some blood. I was like, mama, he's going to die. And lo and behold, he died. Um, apparently being stabbed in the ass? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what, how that works. I think okay. he murdered him and then stabbed him in the ass. But yeah, like, it was just a little, it was like a signature. This movie, I feel like, is so competently made. Like, the pacing is good. Things are set, like, you know, things that pay off are set up properly. Uh, the likable characters are likable. The hateable characters are hateable. What's cute is cute. What's scary and gross is scary and gross. The in-between characters disappear. The in-between yes. characters disappear. Yes. But Judge Reinhold, it- never seen again. Judge, Re- no. Judge Reinhold disappears after two scenes. He's in two scenes at the beginning of this movie. The scene at the bank here at the beginning, and then the scene like at the bar, at the bar where I guess they have lunch uh, for working at the bank. And like he's just like, you gotta be like me, kid. I and then he just disappears. I don't know if anybody here watches the session, but I got a real Tom and Cousin Greg vibe from Billy and Judge Reinhold's character. <laughs> I haven't seen that one, but uh, like, like, uh, I believe you. Like, um, attraction through bullying, I guess is what you'd call it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, they really set Judge Reinhold up to be someone to get, like, a good cathartic tormented by gremlins, and then it just never happens. So there's a, a moment early on in the movie, and it's super tiny, and it passes by quickly. But I do want to point it out just because, man, fuck the cops in this movie. Just, like, police being awful. We are introduced to the cop character by him trying to get a free Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. off, guy. Yeah. Which is the only way we you know uh, where asshole. little Pete comes from. Because Pete's father is the Christmas tree salesman. Yeah, and Pete has to dress up as a, a Christmas tree. And it, it's not a costume. He's just like inside a tree. I don't know. Again, this movie makes so many decisions. Corey Feldman also fucking disappears from this movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, he the tree does show up one more time to be fighting off gremlins. Like yeah, and doesn't he, and sorry, doesn't he cut an electrical line with like um, like a pair of like shears or scissors or something? He like cuts that? the Christmas lights. Yeah, and I'm like, Cheers. you didn't get electrocuted. I'm like, I'm, I, I was like, I, I know, I know those that those handles are not are not properly padded or well protected. I'm like, maybe you should was, be dead, child. Maybe it was aluminum. Possibly aluminum scissors. <laughs> Possibly. I was I like, mean, no, you should be dead. Yeah, you should be dead. I mean, a lot of people should be dead in this movie, but um, we I get digress. all when we get introduced to Billy, we get 
all of the like this character is likable down on his luck protagonist cards yeah. like look at his car not work look at like look at him love his dog look his at people be dog. mean to him at work like mushroom the dog who plays barney the dog uh bless that dog i, I talked about the flocking now if you haven't seen this movie imagine your town square covered in flocking like i think that this movie needs to be recognized and served for its contribution to the climate crisis because there is flocking everywhere like on buildings on trees like i don't know how the fuck they didn't like just all go up in flames because um it's not real snow a and then later on there's a there's a poster that says give a hoot don't pollute and i was like okay fuck you but you know they have since figured out how to make fake snow i guess or just go somewhere where there is real snow like sweden it's just bananas that you have this like whole town i, I don't know if it's like they were actually shot in a town or if it was like a, a stage. Oh, it definitely looks like a stage lot like, yeah it's yeah, probably it's a lot but it's still it's very i mean there are trees with flocking on them yeah i mean that's that's one of the many things that this movie uh has both ways like the fact that like we have Mr. Futterman, uh, who is Dick Miller's character, who is like loudly xenophobic and racist from from the first scene. As you know, our our main character is trying to start his car. Mr. Futterman comes out and is like, "Hey, shitty foreign cars, you can't can't live with them." And also gives us the explanation for why this movie is called Gremlins, which is like gremlins are what people blame you know mechanical malfunctions on and according to him these foreigners are putting gremlins in the machines and that's why they all break down and don't work the way they're supposed to um, i still think it'd which be in cool a weird if... way this movie kind of says is true <laughs> like yeah these these foreign people are just uh you know responsible for gremlins uh existing i mean they, they do try to warn these people uh, all the ways not to create them. They don't tell them what happens if you don't follow the rules, but they do, you know, try to warn them. Well, um, but Mr. yeah, it, Wing it's is kind of a both blameless. ways thing about it. It's kind of like, it feels kind of like the witch where we're like, yeah, yeah. Like that's, a, that's a problematic thing that, you know, people used to believe and say. And then also that's actually what's true in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So like the gremlins, it's, it's weird because like, first of all, the gremlins come from this, you know, Mr. Wing's exoticism shop. Like they're, you know, mm-hmm. but they're picked up. They're, to- they're, they're essentially stolen. Like Mogwai is essentially stolen from this shop by um, dad Peltzer. And um, who is completely <laughs> neglecting like everything that has been said about it. And, you know, like they said, there's three important rules and then he like gives it to gives Mogwai to or gives Gizmo to uh, Billy and says, "Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you there's some three important rules." Um, so you know, there's there are there's some two different. I mean, there's I think there's multiple different paths that we can follow here in terms of the logic, like because the Gremlins are sp- specified by uh, um, Dick Miller's character as being like foreign. Now the gremlin. I want the prequel where Dick Miller and young Mr. Wing team up in World War II to deal with Nazi gremlins. Listen, that's the thing. Gremlins come from Britain. Gremlins is are what British pilots blamed their planes 
not working on, right? Yeah. That that grammar was bad, but like WW2. WWII, also known as Nintendo Wii. But the um the um, World War II. Yeah. So the the British didn't think that the gremlins came from anywhere else but their own planes because they didn't have any money to make planes. So they were like, well, fuck, we just got to figure it out and hope that we kill these gremlins or whatever, you know, and it was just, and they weren't always evil either. They were just like, sometimes the plane works like that. It's because of the gremlin. Like, you know, sometimes that light doesn't work. Um, They're forces. They're meant to be forces of chaos rather than evil. Yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, is, is sort of borne out in this movie to some extent, except for that they are quite murderous. Um, Yeah and they're diabolical like they're not just murderous they're diabolical the fucking uh they tie a dog up outside so it can freeze to death presumably i mean honestly we don't know that it's not mrs deagle that does it's absolutely that one gremlin that's like like laughing about it yeah i the interesting one of the interesting things to me is uh that all of these other gremlins are like they are sinister from jump like mm-hmm. because yeah. they they sprout out of gizmo by you know him getting wet uh when yeah i guess i guess that first time gizmo gets wet like and he's just screaming in pain oh my god that's so upsetting yeah yeah it's really upsetting and and like fucking it billy is keeps how poorly billy reacts to it the billy's like ah oh, man right. what'd you do yeah. Like, oh shit! One of the three rules they told me about this thing was don't get it Billy, wet. I don't know what's gonna happen. For such a sweet boy, Billy has like no fucking empathy. Like Kate gives the whole dead dad speech, and Billy's just like, "Huh? What? I'm checking phones. I'm, I'm, whatever you're saying. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then, yeah. And then when he actually has, you know, viable emotion to try to like tell the cops, "Hey, this stuff is serious. They're gonna take over this town and like destroy everything." And he's being this like the really the first time he's truly like emoting like actual emotion and like the cops is like whatever kid you, you know whatever just please go away go away please I mean, and then mike fair, fires when he does when he doesn't no sell kate's story about her dad uh he is in the middle of trying to ask her out to date which is a really <laughs> awkward time for somebody to be like guess how my dad died oh my <laughs> god like i mean they're also trying to fucking like I love how nobody gives a fuck that there's like weird little monsters everywhere. Like Again, there's the cops see a man being monsters. torn apart by monsters. And they just go like, oh, there's the guy who always dressed up as Santa. I guess he's had too much to drink tonight. Better he's covered with nothing. Monsters. Like, the yeah. Crazy, the craziest thing to me about Kate's story about how her dad dies is that it has a punchline. That she ends it with, and that's how I found out Santa's not, not real. What the fuck, Kate? You working on your tight five? <laughs> I mean... Let's, let's talk about Kate, because this is about the point where Kate is introduced. We have the bank scene, and Kate shows up there, and then is also mm-hmm. working Fly as a bartender at the bar immediately afterwards. Sleeps uh, for days. Yeah, this is, is Kate, played by Phoebe Cates, uh, who's in all of these movies at this point, along with Judge Reinhold. Um, yeah, and uh, what what do we think about Kate? She's uh, I, I wrote her down as the occasionally goth love interest. Yeah, Fee- Kate is wild because I feel like most every character is kind of one dimensional. It's like, okay, Miss Eagle, you're rich and mean. Like Uncle Willie, you're wacky yet racist. Like 
Billy, you're a good boy. And here's Kate with all these dimensions that just add up to like, keep smiling while the darkness inside consumes you. Yeah. Well, she, and it's interesting because she's like presented in in another movie, she would be like the annoying, quote unquote, annoying, like feminist, like the straw feminist, right. Who would be like, or, or whatever, like the, the annoying activist kind of character who's like, won't he's like unnecessarily dark or won't stay on subject and always brings things back to whatever their their mission is which you know is is definitely like a a right leaning view of that you know that showed up a lot in these in these 80s movies especially in the 70s too oh my god in the 70s and i'm not sure if her just being like dour it doesn't really come off as funny, even though in the yeah. time, I would think that it is supposed to be like a bit of a, a cartoon art, like stereotype of, of that kind of character. Mm-hmm. But, so, but once, once again, that's the problem when you're watching this movie and, and like, and everybody's trying to figure out what is this movie supposed to be? Who is this movie for? And so it's just chopped. It's just literally chopped up moments. Yeah. It's it literally chopped up moments cobbled together to make an entire film about this is what happens when you don't follow the rules assholes like that i mean that's that that's that's literally you know what it what it comes what it comes out to be yeah Um, because it's it's everywhere it's it's everywhere it's just like i said before the recording i was like you know like people say in certain situations this, this could go all the way to the right or this could go all the way left no 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 gremlins goes all the way to the left right up down sideways front ways jukes you don't know where it, i mean literally it is it is the <laughs> barry sanders the of film. electric slide <laughs> you know it's the barry sanders of film barry sanders could could run for a 60 yard touchdown but that 60 yard touchdown is essentially really 300 yards because this man evaded people for 15 minutes just to get that touchdown like that is gremlins when, it's, it's everywhere oh yeah. it's lateral it is- this, I never know where the fuck this movie is going to go scene to scene. You know. There is a line Kate has when Billy's walking her home from work at the bar that fucking stopped me dead in my tracks. And it's when Kate's on a why some people don't like Christmas, which fucking yeah, with you there. Uh, but for me, it is a religious reason. So I guess you got me Billy pegged Billy. Um, And Kate says, talking about why people get depressed in the holidays, quote, while everybody else is opening their presents, they're opening up their wrists. That's not why. That's not the the cause. That's the symptom. What a fucking clear. Holy fucking shit. Yeah, and it turns out. But that is a thing. It's such a line. And then like. The cause Holy is, fuck. you know, my dad died and rotted in a chimney because he broke his neck trying to surprise us for Christmas dressed as Santa Claus, <laughs> which is like, what? Like, <laughs> here's a couple of like logical leaps. Like that's that that story is a joke presented deadpan. In the I movie. know. Totally like dead. that's her. That's the thing. Is this is all of her trauma and like does this movie deal with mental health issues yes does it deal with them well no fucking clue yeah that's the thing she's so deadpan about all of it that i'm like i'm taking it at face value i'm like that's fucking crazy i am so sorry yeah i'm gonna take your your concerns about mental health seriously especially you know as where we have ronald reagan in the mix here you know and this is something that she just kind of says and 
nowhere else does it appear like many things in this film i mean the the uh her being like forward thinking and having the petition and all that kind of stuff um and being active in the community like that's a little bit more like she seems a little bit more well-rounded than the um I forgot about the petition and I watched this movie two days ago. Yeah. And like, it's all, <laughs> but like, that's where she, she added, we get dimension from her. She seems a bit more than the like activist stereotype character. Like, it's just so nuts. Like the fucking story is so nuts. And if she didn't bring it up, we would have forgotten about it. Like we would have forgotten about how she doesn't like Christmas. The other crazy thing Kate does in this movie is the gremlins take over the bar and she keeps serving, serving. them. Yeah. Yes. What yes. the fuck? Kate, get the fuck out. I, what she, are you doing? Well, she no, survives. she is surrounded. Like, she is a survivor. Like, you know, yeah. I, I think that's an interesting thing to me because both the scene with her where she is like fending them off, uh, there are only like, with the exception of the one brief scene where they, they bring uh, Pete back, the only people who successfully fend off gremlins in this movie are Kate and uh his, his mom Holy's mom yeah. yeah his mom is a fucking yeah. boss when it comes to murder oh my god and she yeah. goes from she zero to murder population down to one yeah i love them but stripe um I, just with like with all the death traps that her husband has left around the house I she love, does use she hears like music starts playing that shouldn't be playing and first thing she says before like ooh i'm going to go investigate she's like i'm going to take a big ass knife with me i love that she yep. goes to the block and she pulls out one knife and then stops and pulls out another one just in case. yes, yes. Yeah, like a boss right. like a fucking badass and so, I, and when we got well i remember seeing that when i was a kid like see this is this is this is i think why gremlins like like really mess with me because once again walking into this movie never seeing a trailer just seeing commercials for television what? which are going to play completely different uh -huh. which going to be playing completely different and you get to the point where you know the gremlins are going to attack um attack billy's mom i'm like oh this is about to become a horror movie i don't like horror movies as a kid that's the first thing that's that, that's like going through my head. i'm like okay i don't like being scared but like, but like when Jeremy said she picked up the one knife and picked up the next one, I was like, oh boy! I was like, this is gonna be bad. This is yeah, gonna be real bad. But then the microwave she, death, the micro, yeah. like the microwave thing, freaked me out as a child. The blender part, like that, really freaked that. Yeah, she that the like, shit no, no, no. out of that grandma. Yeah, she fucking you know. took no prisoners. She was yeah. not fucking around. This and is like why I, I didn't start cooking until like college. <laughs> And while I was happy that, that like, you know, I was happy that that Billy's mom handled business and like, you know, and then Billy came in to like, you know, fend off whatever and then drop his mom off somewhere safe, <laughs> quotation yeah. safe. Oh. Shit was frightening as hell, though. Like, you know, it was absolutely it was absolutely frightening. And like I said, this is, it's constant. We're just going to constantly keep changing the channel. We're going to keep changing the channel and you just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, you don't. Another instance where I don't know what I was going to get and I have no idea what the fuck the movie was doing because this movie is constantly making baffling, like, tiny choices of execution. To kind of go back a little ways, when the dad comes back from buying Gizmo, we don't see him taking off his coat and hat. We don't see, like, putting, like, his bags down. We see him returning a sword to the wall. Oh, Billy yeah. knocked it off the wall. 
But oh, I mean, okay. it is it is it is a Chekhov sword. Oh. Like it's certainly Chekhov sword because when Billy it comes is, home, I was like, I was like, are we supposed to assume that he just care, takes that sword with him when he goes? I was like, I right, got my wallet, got my keys, got my sword, ready to sell some inventions. Today. They have well, a family the, the so- crest with actual removable swords. Yes, I mean, <laughs> I would if I could. Wild. Yeah, because I. I really think it's interesting because, like, bringing up the dad, the dad is fucking useless in this movie. He instigates, he leaves. By the time he gets back, the movie is over. Like, uh, other than Billy, the only, you know, who's our protagonist, the only people who are competent in this movie are the two female characters, like the two main female characters, the mom and Kate, who are both. Thank you, Smith. Yeah. Yes, we. But technically, Um. I, I don't know. Gizmo is they. Call them Gizmo. Gizmo is Pokemon. Gizmo yeah. reproduces asexually. So, um, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, so, like, yeah, that's, so, yeah, like, it's, it's boring. It's interesting because, like, you know, he, uh, the mom, you know, efficiently murders three gremlins before, you know, getting in a fight with the fourth one. And in Kate's case, like, Kate, uh, you know, continues to serve them and like go through this stuff. And while she's trying to figure out how to leave, like, cause all the guys uh, just run at it head on and they, they all get killed. Like everybody gets murdered that tries to fight the gremlins, except for Kate who keeps serving them until she's like, Oh, that's right. Bright lights. And like starts mm-hmm. using the, the camera to, you know, cover her escape uh, <laughs> until the gremlin with an actual gun shows up which is the most <laughs> 80s fucking thing wild yeah nobody okay. could like i was i saw that watching this movie and that was the one thing that i was like monster like that 80s monster in this child movie has a real fucking gun that is what that the wearing a balaclava especially in the end when spike is in the department store and has and like pulls out the revolver like yes this moment more than any other moment blows my fucking mind where it's like just we start from the most core horror premise of like ah monster attacking how like with razor claws and teeth and tearing and eating people like how could this get worse oh no the monster has a gun (laughs) yeah like we have you know this this movie in its moral play establishes mankind's uh two points of downfall water and gun like what if what if more <laughs> the, horror monsters use guns like babadook is a very different movie if babadook just pulls out an uzi and starts blasting i mean at least a gun runs out of ammo but that's that's besides the point i i want to get back well there's a couple things i want to get back to but one is that there's a druggist named mr dr moreau which is yeah. like fucking crazy um yeah, yeah. they just dropped that in there <laughs> yeah. dr moreau i was like yeah, I was like, what the fuck? I was like looking for hyena people and shit. And I'm like, oh, wait, no. Oh, okay, that's later. Um, Billy's jo- bank job, he is accosted in line. Like Mrs. Deagle shows up with her snowman and is like, Billy, fuck you and fuck your dog. I'm going to cut in line and tell you fuck you and fuck your dog after I tell these people to go fuck themselves who can't eat. And then everybody in the in the bank line are just like, okay. I mean, it sounds like I, a good way to murder a dog. Yeah, well, we're gonna murder and a dog. Feels, I putting it in the dryer. I and guess then, he owns everything, and also everyone feels bad because her husband died in jail. You learn at the very end of the movie. Sure, I mean, she's I don't, essentially Mrs. Bernie Madoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have they actually uh, cut by a, a picture of her quote unquote husband 
who's um I can't remember the name of the actor. I know it's in my notes somewhere, but it's uh, he was very famous for playing, um, you know, greedy tycoons. Yeah, the, the actor, actor was that this picture, not the this is this is in real life, not in the but you know it's a reference piece this movie, but um, yeah, the dog is there and the dog is like the only person who's like no fuck you lady, and she totally like drops a hanky and she's like oh my heart my heart oh, oh, oh. and then she's like and I'm gonna kill your dog. <laughs> um and the wicked witch of the west wishes she could threaten dogs like mrs <laughs> eagle does yeah like she goes into this cra- like it was much more than the wicked witch of the west like wicked witch of the west She's is so like i don't detailed. like detailed yeah she goes like, into this just... whole fucking plan i thought she would have just been like Oh, like he'll like she just be vague. Like I better not catch that dog, or like it's better than what I do. Like I'll take to the kennel. It's better than what I do to it. And she's just like, I'm gonna fucking rip it. I'm gonna rip your fucking dog's head off. I'm gonna torture your fucking dog. And it's yeah. And the dog is the only one that gives a shit. Full fucking Dio on this dog. (laughs) Yes, that's a JoJo reference. She 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 would she says that that dog deserved a slow painful death. Dio did not give that dog a slow, painful death. That was a quick, painful death. But I, again, getting off track. Um, I, but fuck that lady. I mean, yeah, she has cats. Her cats don't actually on screen get mauled by gremlins, although it is implied. Yes. Um, like her cats are all named friend. after different types of money, by the way, which I, I was very <laughs> deeply fascinated Amazing. by. Amazing. Uh, well, one of them was Drachma. Yeah, I, which I think is a badass name for a cat. I feel like the gremlins would uh, understand and appreciate the chaotic nature of cats in their own way and recognize and just not fuck with cats. I think the gremlins and the cats have the same kind of relationship that xenomorphs and cats do, which is that they're like, okay, they see each I, other and they're like, kind of give each other the nod and they're like, I, I have to go back to the gremlin using a gun. Because it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, multiple. In, in that, in that, and I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. The use of a gremlin using a gun, two different in two different scenes, is shot and filmed in two different shot and filmed in two different ways. In the bar, when Kate and when Kate is just, you know, working to as she's working through it to find a way to escape. And like when Jeremy said, you know, she's using the camera basically as her gun to shoot the bright light at the gremlins. And then you have a gremlin that comes out with a gun and just like, look, I, enough of this nonsense. I'm going to, you know what? Oh, this is nonsense. No, no, I got nonsense for you right here. Start shooting, right? Okay, that is used in a in a comedic way. As jacked up as it is, it's still in a comedic comedic way because uh, because Phoebe Cates' gun is a camera. Gremlin's yeah. like, no, that's not a gun. This is a gun. Okay, <laughs> so now this now is a gun. you fast forward. Um, all the gremlin, all the gremlins are in a movie theater watching Snow White and the Seven Drawers, Seven Seven Drawers, which is uh, which Amazing. is still yeah. Amazing. yeah, which yeah. is completely wild. So they're like, you know, we gotta blow up this, movie. um, you know, we gotta blow up this movie theater. We gotta do something because guys, like, did Inglorious Bastards rip off Gremlins? <laughs> so, I mean, you know what the most like? There's so many things about this movie that you're like, oh, this couldn't be made now. That's the one that stood out the most to me is this is a Warner Brothers movie and they're watching Snow White and Seven Dwarves. And oh, I was yeah. like, that's no right. fucking way would you that's how you know that. that's how I you know this is pre Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, well, this before they or pre, or pre Space Jam. Yeah. Well, well, that when their cooperation fell apart. 
let's see well well, spielberg makes stuff like that happen like spielberg 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 and them is the reason why you know who uh, who framed roger rabbit had like everybody and their mommy in it cooperating you know like all he was like oh yeah this is this is made this is for hollywood this is this is for the good of whatever nowadays like no hell no you ain't i ain't sharing no money with you are you mad no what what i read video games because wreck it ralph did it and i don't know how the fuck they did that but they they made it happen what i what i've heard is that warner brothers like okay disney you can use our characters for who framed roger rabbit with you know unwritten agreement that you'll let us use uh, some of your characters for something we want to do down the line. And then that thing down the line was like, hey, we want to do Space Jam and we think it'd be really cool if Mickey Mouse was the ref. Like, Disney time to make good on Roger Rabbit and it was like, ha, nope. Yeah, fuck. Well, that's that was also, there's some historical context of Disney in that time when they were like, we're going to try to sabotage all of our animation department because Pocahontas um... Well, yeah. they okay, they so, tried to do that with Pocahontas, but anyway. But, the grabbing um, with the gun. Going back oh, so, to so, oh, yeah. Yeah, Sean, yeah, going back to the whole gun thing. So when they blow up the theater, and Stripe is the only gremlin that makes it, and then then like and Stripe goes into the um, into like the store, the department store, which has crossbows. And, like, you know, it's dark. Yeah, cross. It's the see, then it's just like okay, so now we went from a comedic moment in the bar to a no. This is a this is now a horror survival survival movie. Mm-hmm. like like no this whole point like the last few minutes of this film is like yeah let's put alien alien in a department store how does that feel okay go ahead go ahead have fun <laughs> with that and so and so like yeah you got you got crossbows you got stripe with the gun you got um and i'll, I'll let you I'll let you speak on it in, in a moment you got yeah. like yeah. stripe hopping in the fountain to like try to create more gremlins and it is ex- super fucking creepy and scary as hell. Yeah. Like that, like, and see, like in that part there, I was just like, no, I will, as an eight year old, I was like, I'll never watch this movie again. I was like, I will never watch this again. And then when like, you know, Gizmo breaks, breaks the, uh, breaks the window and the light comes in. Oh, now I'm like, okay, yeah, the bad guy's dying. But at the same time, it's like, this is still really fucking creepy as hell. It's and a, scary as hell. And so I was just like, it's Ooh. a slow, gruesome death for Spike. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's with like with Alien, Alien, the Alien was somewhat intelligent. Like you can sort of see an intelligence there, but it was so alien. Whereas the Gremlins are, they can speak, they can break dance, they can, they can you sing know, along to Snow White. Yeah. They, yes. I mean, and that's. That's something because also with the with the pods, I'm like, oh, what if it what if xenomorphs were cute? Like they're this is this mm-hmm. is gremlins. What if xenomorphs were cute? And then I thought, has anyone done that crossover where the face hugger face hugs a mogwai and then it gets wet? <laughs> like imagine yeah. the hell beast uh, that would yes. spawn from that. I want it. But no, you get a cenobite in there. To me, what's so wild about the gremlin of a gun is and what's so unnerving about it is like what is that if not a total subversion of like our original horror story of like humanity just like us using our ingenuity and tools to defeat things that are sharper or faster or stronger or bigger or just more dangerous than us like we live in a world of monsters and we use our tools to stop the monsters but what if the monsters can use their tools like yeah imagine if the alien like, queen, instead of being able to just use an elevator, also was able to use a flamethrower. 
amazing. <laughs> Ripley pulls out her flamethrower, and the alien queen's like, "Yeah, I got one too." It's like, yeah, we're like, okay, tiger. You idiots, okay, we've all got flamethrowers. We're ancient humans. Tigers <laughs> are scary, but we made bow and arrows to fend off the tigers. Oh no, the tigers learned archery. This has yeah. backfired horribly. God damn. Um, well, I wanted to I wanted to bring things back around to to where we were in the film because I mean, like this 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 terror element of these gun-toting gremlins like speaking of roger rabbit there is a there is a really horrifying aspect that this movie has that roger rabbit also has is that you have this thing you don't understand that is recognizable recognizably sentient but it operates on completely different rules and it can fuck you up like tunes like those weasels could survive a car crash because they're tunes so they could run their car right up your ass and then be fine and um you know they were like that's and i think that that's what i got from roger rabbit where it was really terrifying to me it's like these tunes could fuck people like they're they're basically indestructible chaotic creatures like roger rabbit fucking with um please tell me Bob Hoskins, yeah, where he's like fucking with Bob Hoskins, where he's like, oh yeah, I could get out of this, uh, these handcuffs anytime. Um, it, yeah, and so, um, and then because you have the gremlins are basically cartoons, they're representations of cartoon violence in a real serious uh, setting. And if you had any doubt about the cartooniness of them, Chuck Jones is there. Yeah. And he's giving yeah. art advice to Billy Peltzer, which I'm like, first of all, Billy Peltzer's doing good. He's got like a Heinrich Clay kind of thing going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and, and Chuck Jones is named Mr. Jones in the film. Yeah. It's not even like he's a character. He's just he's just playing <laughs> Chuck Jones. Yeah, he's who just lives there at the town. bar. At one point, a gremlin is giving a drunken puppet show to another gremlin, and I don't have any commentary. That's just a thing that happens, and I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> so this one gremlin's trying to be noir. Like, he's like, remember the noir at the beginning of the movie? I'm going to try to bring that back. And then this other gremlin's like, no, fuck you. We're going to have a puppet show. <laughs> the and entire then, bar scene is wild. Yeah. So, but yeah, like these, these gremlins, like, represent real life cartoon violence. And it kind of, it's weird because it's like, it kind of backfires or maybe it doesn't. Like, I don't know if they're trying to make a statement about cartoon violence or if they're just trying to make these gremlins funny. Both. I, yeah, I think it's mostly like because this that whole bar scene really feels like the scene where Joe Dante just fucking let loose. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like we don't need that for the story at all. It's just funny. Yeah, like, um, maybe we need we need Kate being trapped in the bar and still serving them, but then there's still like five minutes of just the gremlins doing weird gremlins, gremlins smoking and playing gremlin. poker and shooting each other and. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, the gremlins have gremlin. like an old west poker game, where <laughs> I believe it's actually Stripe that pulls out a gun and starts shooting people. Yeah, shooting yeah. the gremlins at the table, which I guess they just really need to establish. Even in this uh, giant pack of of evil creatures, Stripe is still the baddest. He's still he's still the one that just pulls out a gun from under the table and starts blowing away other gremlins. Well, he's the one with the plan. Like he has an objective, more or less. Like he's easily distracted, but he does have an objective. And yeah, that's like, like we, we find out earlier in the movie because like 
so we go through the whole cycle of the the gremlins here that we haven't really talked about of like you know he gets uh they accidentally get gizmo wet and a whole bunch of these little fur balls pop off of him and turn mm-hmm. into other mogwai who are immediately sinister um yeah you know who are so clear, like they they make cool fun nice mogwai noises while billy is around and then as soon as he leaves immediately are like conspiring and whispering um, <laughs> yeah, and, and then immediately eat. like eventually they gnaw his you know the power to his clock uh so that it ends up you know he ends up feeding them after midnight which is what leads them to go from these fuzzy adorable creatures like gizmo to like these horrible scaly things that uh that run rampant around the town stripe as a mogwai go ahead and i'll tell them i say my thing that rule has always bothered me because when is it no longer after midnight yeah like when's what what time zone (laughs) is it when the sun comes up is it sun up is that is it no longer after midnight if it's sun up also to do the mogwais though about daylight savings time (laughs) also don't expose the mogwai to water i feel like there's a sort of a signs inherent issue with this like where are these mogwais from that they're never going to get exposed to water or i I know it's it's like not as if the water kills them though the the water causes them to reproduce so it's the opposite of science where it's actually beneficial to the existence of the species although apparently (laughs) Looking at Gizmo in that scene, it hurts like hell. Yeah, they right. don't like it. Right. Well, the, that's the well, thing well, that the bothers adult... me about Billy is that it apparently hurts Gizmo like hell. He's not bothered by it. In fact, he takes him to the science teacher and is like, "Here, look what happens when I pour water on him." Right. And it starts well, freaking out again. Yeah. The metamorph, like, what after they go through the metamorphosis, they seem to love fucking getting in water. So it might just be that, like, doing it before they metamorphize hurts a lot. Or maybe I'm thinking about it more than the movie did. <laughs> Well, the, the thing is that when the mogwais get um, get exposed to water, they pop off and become more mogwais. Mm-hmm. Then the mogwais, if they get fed after midnight, um, will then become gremlins. So right. a mogwai has to, to be fed after midnight to become a gremlin. However, a gremlin does not need to go through a pupil stage if the gremlin gets exposed to water. The mogwais have to metamorphose. The gremlins, Man, this no, should... they just fucking multiply immediately. Mm-hmm. This should better all get explained in the upcoming animated Secrets <laughs> of the Mogwai. What? It's going to follow. They're, oh, they're making an animated series that's going to follow Mr. Wing in, in the 1920s and how he met Gizmo, mm-hmm. a little boy. Okay, so that yeah. whole, like, the prequel thing was yeah. just a, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's hope that it is. Which I did. I did. That would be fun. How he became, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm excited. I will check that out. This this whole bit about the just the dad bringing home this super high maintenance creature he knows nothing about is endangered. Maybe there's only one. He knows jack shit, and he's just like, I don't give a fuck. Here you go. And Billy doesn't even understand how animals work. Yeah, dad is like, here's a weird dog, and Billy's like, huh? All right, let's give it a shot. And I, you know, Billy doesn't seem all that phased by it. But he's not nearly as unfazed as fucking Pete, the 10-year-old yeah. boy who's like, huh, talking dog, huh? That's weird. All right, let me read some more comics. I know. Billy's got, like, there's that That first time was pretty sweet. Billy's got, like, Gizmo and the dog all, like, cuddling up bed. It's like, yeah, cute animal snuggle pile. <laughs> well, and, like, Bill or, or Pete, Pete's like, oh, this is cool. But then he sees the, the multiplication happening. 
And he's like, it's cool. I mean, I guess, I mean, it's cool, I guess. I don't know. Like, he's just so this miracle of nature. Um, and the also, decides they're all going to be millionaires because of this. Uh, the dad. Yeah, that's yeah. good old Rand. Every kid, in, every kid in America will want one. <laughs> I mean, they were right when they made them into Furbies. Yeah, that's true. Everyone wanted one for like two weeks. Two seconds. Well, now, now they're coming. They're making a comeback. Yeah, this this, this is the third comeback. Yeah. Furbies will never go away. Furbies now, are Furbies are, are are the are the second gen Cabbage Patch kids. But this time, it's not just the Furbies. It's like DIY Furbies. That's the Furby that's trending right now. Is people are starting to make like weird Chimera Furbies, <laughs> and that's the and it's like on Etsy. It's like a whole phenomenon of mm, bizarre. Yeah, of like here's my snake Furby and here's my llama Furby and here's my like dragon furby here's my cerberus of my my ferberus three-headed furby of hell soon it'll be a furry boros okay ferberus definitely sounds like the name of a furry dominatrix even though even though this film goes in a lot of different directions and it does get dark you know it there were moments where like the original cut of this movie is even darker like in the original cut of the film um billy's mom dies and and when Billy gets home, Billy's mom's head gets thrown down the steps. Jesus God Christ! Um, Fucking hell! Yeah, um, like um, there was a scene where the gremlins ate Billy's dog. Um, oh where, no! Uh, where there's also a scene. There's supposedly a scene where the gremlins were at McDonald's, but were eating customers instead of burgers. Um, so like, um, and originally Gizmo was supposed to transform into Stripe. And but Spielberg was like, no, 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 no. I like Spielberg overruled that. Um, yeah, you need the one that's from the toy company, like the one, yeah. that's right? Because like he's like, Gizmo, he's like, Gizmo's cute, and he was just like, audiences are gonna like Gizmo. We keep Gizmo for the whole film. But yeah, but like, the yeah, original cut of, of Gremlins was was extremely dark. Extremely. Honestly, dark. that was why I figured they had the real reason why they had the dad bring the dog was that like in an original plan, like something happened to the dog where it's like. The dog wasn't around, and thus they didn't have any footage of the dog. And the ones are like, "Ooh, maybe we shouldn't kill the dog." They're like, "Well, how do we explain why the dog isn't in the whole rest of the movie?" Ah, uh, fucking have, have the dad pretend like he's talking to the dog when he's like goes into the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the- we'll we'll, AD, we'll ADR the dog being with the dad. <laughs> I mean, it's a solid choice, and I mean, I can see where the script would have gone as the. Uh, um, the stripe initially hung you know basically suspended i don't want to say hung but like he suspended barney up with christmas lights and you can hear barney like a whimpering but um the dog is generally uh you know generally they okay they wrap him in a blanket like he is a, a human trauma survivor and sit him, and on, the, he's getting sit him on the couch yeah. He's, getting towel, he's getting towel rubbies and kisses. I fully expected I mean, that dog to be holding a cup of hot cocoa. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, with his feet in hot water. And... Have cocoa. Yeah. Little thing on his head. Well, this, this movie isn't really bound by logic so much. Because I think Yo. another one of the things we talked about is that it's clear that at some point Billy was supposed to be younger because, like, not only is his best friend Pete a 10 year old boy. But when he is trying to figure out stuff about you know, Gizmo, he takes it to the elementary school science teacher 
who I guess is the the foremost xenobiologist in uh, <laughs> in this town. Which and again, and then they like do he, in Stranger Things, yeah, the, the, where they are elementary schoolers. Yeah, and the the elementary school teacher then apparently has the stuff he needs on element in the elementary school to run blood tests on this creature uh, because he you know he takes blood samples and it's like what. What are you going to do with those in an elementary school science lab? Like, <laughs> right. Man, he so you might movie. have a Bunsen burner still, but like, you know, I, I know my like elementary school science lab consisted of plastic test tubes. He exactly. has he yes. is a side hustle where he's helping people pass drug tests. Well, yeah, he, we later go in and see his class and it's just a video of animals getting open heart surgery. Yeah, that was fucked up. <laughs> That was terrifying. What the, fu- what the fuck was with the heart surgery? And I was like, is this a skinny puppy the- video? It just keeps playing in the background for mm-hmm. the rest of the scene. And the the gremlin straight up like does some some slasher shit by like running the 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 film again. Yeah, yeah. Again, this movie makes so many wild choices. Yeah, like why? It, it's all due to the fact that the original cut of the film was extremely dark. Yeah. And they're like, well, how much of this can we keep? Okay, we can keep how much? Okay, well, now we have to find a way to fill in the bits that we cut, fill in the bits that we cut out to make it make sense. Yeah. You know, and so that's how, <laughs> like, sense. yeah, and that's how, like, you know, you end up with a noir, family, horror, comedy, like, just fantasy fantasy slice of life holiday extravaganza yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. you don't like so oh. much sense and is so like sounds like something that you know would be an explanation in a movie that like this and ghostbusters came out on the same day that like yeah these movies have so much of the same just bizarre dna of like yes this is a scary family comedy drama with lots of sexual overtones and and reaganism yeah and racism Uh, racism another those all go together um another amazing kate moment is when they get to the movie theater billy's like do you know where the boiler boiler room is and she's like yeah it's behind the screen under a trap door how the fuck do you know that kate (laughs) why the fuck does the theater have a boiler room I, this are, is like the, the fucking at, house in the hunger where they're like, oh, let's go downstairs to the crematorium. Like, what the fuck? Oh, you work the at the bank at, do you also work at the movie theater? How many jobs are you pulling, Kate? She got it. She, that is like, honestly, that's the most honest part of this movie. The most realistic part of this movie is that these young people are like working multiple jobs. Yes. And that's we never see that part. in like other family movies. Like, you know, usually if someone's working multiple jobs, it's either um i mean it's not that it's not a family movie when there's a kid working like even even if they're like a 19 year old kid that they're working at a bank and a bar at the same time like <laughs> to me the most existentially terrifying part of the movie is that these people are really worried for the economy of their small town in 1984 like fuck if you think gremlins are scary wait till you see nafta uh yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know that's what? A trade, that's a trade alliance joke. Those are rare. <laughs> Don't get those every podcast. Yeah, no, it's, that's no JoJo's bizarre adventure. I'm hitting you on the Clintonian policy. 
I although I think Naftish appears in one of the uh, the Judges Bizarre Adventure sequels as like a stand for um, one of the villains. What doesn't? I right. <laughs> well, after uh, <laughs> after it was done with bands, dude started going into policy I, acronyms. There's definitely going to be a Lil Nas X stand in part nine, and I there, cannot fucking wait. There better fucking be if dudes anyway. If um, we get a Montero stand, I will lose my fucking mind. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, so at this point, uh, he has left one gremlin with the teacher and has the rest of them at home. They trick him into feeding them after midnight by uh, fucking up his clock. And then the, why you go digital. the teacher, <laughs> the teacher uh, inexplicably just leaves his sandwich lying in front of this thing. Um, yeah. Which like... Um, I don't know. I guess bad move for black guy in a horror movie. Right, <laughs> like, right. So he doesn't know he's in a horror clock. movie. Clearly, we see the clock. It's well past two a.m. In his go lab. Oh my god! Go yeah, home, my guy. Wasn't he? Go he, home. You can study like, and I would, or you. I mean, you can study them tomorrow because you get stabbed in the ass to death, but or eaten. Who knows? Or but like, eaten, yeah. Right. This dude definitely is the only other person in this movie that understands how important these creatures are. Right. Him right. and yeah. Mr. Wing. Wait a minute. What do they have in common? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking yeah. The only other person go like, hey, wait a minute. This isn't a thing that's supposed to exist. What yeah. the fuck's up? With- Let's see what the fuck's up with that. Like, I would be uh, up like all hours being like, this is, an- this is a sentient creature i've never heard of before this thing can speak and feel and i'm you know i'm not gonna like, fuck around because i don't want to find out right why, exactly like, i just would have left this town guy take a, i just why if would I was this a guy teacher, take a blood test if i was a teacher i just would have left town and like if billy would have brought that into my, into my into my classroom like you know first off what the hell are you doing and then i've been like look you got you got to go don't you dare pour any water on and no out go and then i'm leaving i'm taking a vacation i'm kind i'm contacting my supervisor or superintendent or principal and be like listen i got i got off time i gotta go because white people about to mess this up for this whole town and i don't want to be no part of it i don't be anywhere near it nowhere did billy even tell the teacher the rules i think he did vaguely okay vaguely yeah it it, like but no one nowhere does billy or his dad or anybody for that matter, that is that is in in possession of the Mogwai that you know that's not Mr. Wing. Um, nowhere do they take seriously the rules. Right. They say the rules are like, oh yeah, you can't forget these rules, and then they like immediately flash pictures at the right. like they breaking the first rule. They they do not care. They yeah. do not care because it's just this whole it's this whole like Western thing, like you know Western society society thing of it's not a problem until mm-hmm. it affects me personally. And it hasn't affected me personally yet. So you know what? Uh, it's whatever. That's, yeah. sell That's it. white. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, my God. I was going to say something about. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, the teacher is the first one to notice well, that this thing is hatched from a pod because he, you know, sees the pod and hears it uh, doing, you know, horror footsteps things around the classroom and tries to call Billy to, to come in and check it out urgently. Billy drags his fucking feet. Uh, to, to come see him and find, Even though, finds the teacher dead in the in the classroom with a needle stuck in his ass. This mm-hmm. is after Billy has realized that all of the gremlins 
in at his house have become pods and he's been watching invasion of the body snatchers where it's like watch out for the pods and he's like looking at the tv and looking at the fucking crazy ass alien and like aliens been out like i don't know if this world had alien come out but with all the other fucking references in this movie like you have these fucking straight up alien eggs and you know it's important to watch and pay attention to horror movies yeah and he's watching (laughs) the fucking horror movie and then he's like that's weird oh it's like a butterfly and i'm like no it's like a xenomorph you know that thing that comes out and eats your face yeah and he he tries to even knowing that there is a deadly creature that has killed a science teacher in the room uh billy tries to go for the phone and the the creature has anticipated this and uh scratches up his hand and uh billy runs for the fucking hills uh does not does not stop anywhere between here and his house to call his mom and be like hey there are murderous clawed creatures running around the house if you could look out for that uh the mom finds oh, he does call herself. the mom yeah he does call the mom he does call mom yeah he calls the mom but his phone his phone conversation get... is is sabotaged by the gremlins yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the first trick they learned was how to fuck fuck up a lot wires. Who who the gremlins who apparently in the short time they've been alive have seen ET because uh, they make an ET <laughs> reference. They say yeah. phone yeah. home Again, and then cut the wires. These gremlins are born with perfect knowledge of the rules of poker. Yeah, that's. I mean, they are fearsome. Combine that with a xenomorph. Is there a hive mind knowledge that they know everything that like that they are born of gizmo and therefore know everything gizmo knows and gizmo has just been observing humanity well like in the handoff you just gotta let it ride well that's you the just thing let it ride there's there's a there is something to that because uh mr wing is like you taught him to watch television <laughs> and so i mean who knows maybe like the the mogwai can like just see something and absorb it yeah, that TV has been on in Billy's room constantly the whole time. Constantly, yes. You, so yeah. like, they also you know like how to do, they also knew, they know how to rope something to a dartboard and throw stuff at it. They right. Try yeah. to murder Gizmo on the dartboard, right. and then when they get tired of that, they shove him down a laundry where he will, <laughs> where he rests for a good chunk of the movie. Um, <laughs> a Gizmo who birthed them. Right. And then, then they decide to go fuck with mom. Mom, as we mentioned before, is a fucking champ. Uh, yeah, she she gets one in the blender. She ch- she gets another one with a knife. She puts one mm-hmm. in the microwave and blows it up. And it's not until the uh, fucking uh, guy in the Christmas tree jumps on her that she is taken down. And uh, you know Billy yeah. Billy saves her with Three his with his useful uh, wall swords. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The I like how the three out of four like a badass. I like how the the gremlins begin their gambit by playing christmas music which is like which just shows how fucking evil they are oh yeah oh yeah it's, it's fantastic like i said that's uh, that's the whole thing it's once again th- that makes it one it makes it immensely entertaining two it makes it very <laughs> scary and three um you just don't know what to expect yeah you, it's just that you but you know shit's about to go down but you don't know how it's really gonna go you, yeah you, you know until until mom wrecks shop yeah. and um but yeah, but still, it's still very, but still extremely gruesome to once again, like I said earlier, who's this movie? Uh, apparently right. what we see in this is a toned down version of the microwave scene. Apparently mm-hmm. the original was more gruesome. <laughs> the MPAA was like, no, no, you can't <laughs> yep. do that. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. It, yeah. Like it was intense. Like it was, um, it was immensely intense. So, I mean, it did explode. I'm wondering how more gruesome did it have like bits? I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing you know, intestines coming out of it or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I mean, and Stripe being a good heel sees that he's outnumbered and takes off to go uh, set up a secondary plan uh, and takes his ass to the YMCA. Apparently he knows where the pool is and yes. <laughs> jumps in the pool spawning hundreds if not thousands of gremlins well, no. was that spike i thought that was the gremlin that was that killed the teacher and that no, was, that was stripe t- and that was stripe. a school pool yeah yeah that was stripe so stripe the gremlin that killed the teacher i think got got somehow mm-hmm. and yeah. then um stripe moves off to the ymca and i feel like stripe isn't doesn't quite like get the pool thing but when it happens it's like uh, he's like oh shit you know because he kind of accidentally gets thrown in the pool well no um, he tries to he tries to murder billy first and that yeah. doesn't work out so he uh takes off and jumps in the pool and the whole whole pool starts bubbling and turns green a, and billy's yeah, like shit, gotta get out of here um i do love the uh, that effect of like the mm-hmm. pool and stuff yeah where i mean that's so effective where we saw just like a comedy a cup of water made which is an entire pool's worth of water make. Mm-hmm. And like it was very effective being like, oh, this town is fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I do gotta say, like at this point, I we we've talked about the gremlins, we've talked about Mogwai and the puppets and stuff like that, but these are really good puppets. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Great There's puppets. A, a little bit of sub action here and there, but they really pull it off and that's difficult because they are menacing um as well as i mean the mogwais have a little bit of an uncanny they're cute but they have a little uncanny valley like tt thing going on but the gremlins are scary menacing and funny like they are they can't do this cartoon shit yeah yeah and they were, um, they were originally going to use monkeys yeah that's which i can only upsetting. imagine the fucking disaster that would have been mm-hmm yeah, oh like um, the monkeys were too freaked out by the gremlin uh, head pieces. Yeah, so they decided not to do that. Uh, and then they wanted Joe Dante wanted to do a whole lot more stop motion and a lot less puppetry, and that would have been a whole different movie too. Yeah, because um, uh, that one scene where they do have all the stop motion, where the gremlins are stampeding out from the YMCA, yeah. is a little uh, it's it's kind of rough looking. Yeah. Um, yeah it's a little jason and the argonauts for a minute <laughs> yeah and then well, it's like the in ghostbusters you know when this, the the dog thing is there and it's their suddenly... dogs yeah yeah and this is this is where we get the reintroduction of the useless police um including the addition of uh our our um uh, deputy who as we mentioned is uh probably better known for being mike in both uh breaking bad and better call Saul um who's yeah it is fantastic for the little bit that he's in this and has hair which threw me threw me off uh while this well he is trying to get the police to do anything we also get to see the uh (laughs) the fucking with and subsequent murder of uh I I wrote and crossed out Ralph and Alice Cramden because that is basically who these characters are like as as Emily mentioned the wife is fine and does not deserve to die because she's basically the same character as Alice in the honeymooners. She's like, she's kind of I, dumb, but pleasant. And he yeah, is just a good, crotchety, news. old, xenophobic asshole. 
good news they don't die they both come back for the sequel it's still it's i mean if you didn't know there was a sequel they're, they're dead as hell in this movie. yeah they get fucking run over by a snowplow in yes. their own home in their, their own, own home their house they really, snowplow. that i do love the effect like i know it's just like a set home and whatnot but seeing that snowplow go through the house is really satisfying to see and the guy's yeah. like they're real the gremlins are real <laughs> I told you, you you blew it up you did it um so it's where like wait because he every time this dude is xenophobic he brings up the gremlin yeah. and it and yeah the gremlins have something to do with with fucking up machinery that is like the only thing like they can and do that and they do do that in the movie and that's the only thing that connects them with the the actual gremlin or origin story of the creature but at like, a certain point I don't even know if Dick Miller in this movie knows what foreign actually means. I mean, or if he's just keep saying it. He, the thing is that the the shit that he keeps harping on is like European foreign, which is, I mean, like if he's talking about WW two, him being pissed off about the Volkswagen Beetle, like I get that. Even though that Volkswagen like, Beetle I, will outlive him, I feel like if someone was like, A lot of "Hey, Uncle okay. Willie." Do you want some of this Kentucky bourbon? It is like Kentucky. I don't trust them foreign drinks. Yeah. But then you think about like, okay, so the gremlins, we have this very direct relationship with gremlins and xenophobia. Now, on one hand, the gremlins were introduced by, like they, they were in the possession of the, um, the shop in Chinatown of Mr. Wang, right? So we are only to assume that they are foreign um and then we have this world war ii thing where they're defined as being like you know sabotage agents from foreign military or something i don't know um very very vague way that dude um describes them but the gremlins themselves are products of the presumptuousness and the negligence of the people that had the mogwai so do the gremlins represent racism? That's not exact. like that. I'm not entirely serious about this, this grand analysis, <laughs> but. Well, like, well, back in the eighties, uh, back, back in the eighties, there were some critics that <clears throat> felt that some of the things that the gremlins did or did or performed in the film were racist characters of, uh, of black people. Um, he was like, well, you know, they're break dancing in one scene and, you know, and then they're like, you know, they're eating, you know, they're eating chicken with their hands and all this other stuff. And like, and now me as a kid, I was like, I didn't really personally for me, I didn't see that as black caricature as much as with the breakdance. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, in, in, in white America's eyes, this is a new thing. Mm-hmm. So it's hot. So let's put it in here. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, maybe you this is just me being a '90s kid, but I'm like, man, I saw so many lame white kids break dancing in the '90s. You, you, you know. son, I was one of them. Well, and that gremlin was dressed up like Olivia Newton-John. Right, right, right. So you know, and the thing is, is yeah, that, that was like, Jazzercise Gremlin. Yeah, but it was also pretty. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sean. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's sorry. It's just that, like, also like the way break dancing was perceived by white America, it was only a thing that happened in the 80s where breaking never ended like break yeah. dancing break dancing is just you know part of dance dance culture as a whole and it's still around popping and locking is still around all that stuff is still around so you know i didn't so i didn't really see stereotypes as, as much as or i mean characters i didn't really see characters 
um, you know, it's just for me, it's like, like, like you said, Emily, it's the gremlins are cartoon characters implementing cartoon violence in a real world. Yeah. And, and they're all and all they're doing is, is saying, how, how's that, you know, how are these people going to take this? We've come to take, take shit over. We just want to see how they're going to react to our violence. You know, yeah. I, mean, I, I let me propose an alternate theory to them being like uh, racist caricatures is because I feel like this is also very like relevant to the time is they are uh, pop culture hounds. They are like kids raised by TV, right? They're like latchkey mm-hmm. kids who are, you know, they're neglected. They're raised by TV. They love everything pop culture. They're hyper violent. Like, you know, it's, it's all the things that people in the eighties were afraid kids playing video games was going to result in like, and then seeing movies like gremlins was going to result in. Um, mm-hmm. so I mean it, it's a very like realization of that sort of Reagan era fear of you know these uh you know these these out of control kids rampaging the, around the town um but I, I don't know it's it's I, I can see where people would get the racist caricature bit but like I think there's so many like pop cultural references between like them playing poker and shooting each other mm-hmm. at the bar and yeah. you know and everything think, else that is just general like oh this is all stuff they picked up from tv yeah. yeah like how much of the general gremlin is trying to be something thematic versus just like ooh, we really love that one twilight zone episode <laughs> what if we like made it funny and there was like a shitload of them just like wrecking mm-hmm. a whole town instead of one vehicle yeah well and the thing about like the you know i know that the, that these racist stereotypes and i'm sure that like somewhere in the uh the creation of the cartoon characters that these gremlins represent i mean a lot of original cartoons were based on like mickey mouse was based on uh fucking minstrel show shit yeah, it's and not yeah. like mickey doesn't still have large white like yeah, yeah. and the reason for that the, yeah. the face yeah um the keyblade is new the key- <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus but is my keyblade. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ would so be a keyblade master. <laughs> you guys are you guys are tempting the beast in me. You guys are like poking the beast. Like, Hamley, you want to talk about Kingdom Hearts? Hamley, one day Disney will buy the IP rights to the Bible, and then Jesus can be a part of Kingdom Hearts. I think they did. I think they have. It's just uh, they've been a little more subtle about it, but. Um, but, but like there's a there's a weird narrative that I see sometimes with this with the with the gremlins is that like the gremlins are the shit that people make up that that um that Mr. Futterman is making up to cover his misunderstanding of what he doesn't understand, like all the bad things that happen because of what he doesn't understand, right? And then the gremlins are you okay, Jeremy? Yeah, sorry, I had to mute myself because I I made myself laugh so hard. <laughs> the Jesus is, I just said Jesus is my keyblade and um I lost my mind. <laughs> Sign up for our Patreon for our Jesus is my keyblade merchandise. Uh only available to patrons until we get sued. So um key, I guess it's a that, cross. But yeah, yeah, that's what I saw in my mind. <laughs> Um, depending on, it's, depending but no, on whether you're just, Catholic, it may have Jesus on it. It may just be. Yeah, I was gonna say like if, if, if Square thing. Enix is involved, it's definitely <laughs> gonna have our boy J Man on there. <laughs> and if Evangelion is involved, it's just gonna be a crucified Ultraman. Ben, 
tempting the beast. <laughs> but my cruel angel's thesis is that the gremlins are the result of people's xenophobia going out of getting out of hand and destroying their society. The end. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> That's the point I was trying to make this whole time. And therefore the gremlins are racism because um, it's people's like <laughs> ignorance getting out of hand and then destroying them. Does racism, does racism Christmas Carol though? Um, yes. <laughs> I'm dreaming of a white sure Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because we're the scene we're at is the Mrs. Deagle scene where she uh, takes her takes her uh, chair down the stairs, her auto her automated stair climbing. What chair. a wild death that is! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, fucked up. The like gremlins, that's some real live action cartoon shit. Yeah, the gremlins distract person? her by ca- yeah. Christmas caroling outside, at which, which she point knows, she she yells they, at them. They know she hates that. Yep. Uh, I mean, to be fair, who doesn't? Um, exactly. That's why these gremlins are so fucking evil and, and powerful. And right. while, she's, but, while she's busy doing that, they sabotage her chairlift. So when she does attempt to run away from them, it zips up the stairs and throws her out the window of her, the second story of her house and oh, into yeah. the street where the police are currently watching a man uh, be murdered. <laughs> Yes. Now, Passively I will say, like, be murdered by Grim. Do we see the police get their comeuppance, or is the, is that the last we see of the police in the movie? Is just them watching Mrs. Deagle die and going, "Huh, how they, about that?" The, their car flips, um, but we yeah. don't ever see whether they make it out of it because right. the uh, I, I forget. So the the Gremlins cause them to have an accident, which flips their car, and uh, we see the police car crash, but we don't ever see them get out of it or not get out of it. Yeah, like when when Miss when Mrs. Daigle died, like I didn't like I, I didn't I I didn't feel I I didn't feel bad. Like I, I just didn't like I I didn't feel bad. And like that was the only time where when the gremlins were doing evil things or evilish scary type things where like I just didn't feel frightened. Like like that like as jacked up as that scene is, so much of it just felt comedic to me because. Like I said, like I just felt like in Gremlins, there are like a lot of characters that really are just awful people. And so if bad things happen to these folks, like I'm not supposed I'm not I'm not going to feel bad. I, I'm not. And and that was definitely one of those moments. But like just to see that scene and to see her get catapulted with the chair, boom, like out of the window and the way that was shot. You know, there's no CGI back then. Yeah. You know, like that took work, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that took work to make something like that happen. So that's like a fantastic, that's a fantastic, but cruel scene. Yes. The, I, you know, the character, like she, um, she did get a cup a comeuppance, but it was like in this moment of genuine, like vulnerability where yeah. if there was any sort of sympathy that we could have gotten for her any at all, it was then. And mm-hmm. she, you know, she was also like catapulted off of her, um, her chairlift, which is like a necessary thing for the elderly, right. which is like, if I was, you know, if we really, really wanted to give this woman come up, it's, you know, they would have like drowned her in coins or something like it would have been something to do with her vice, but instead <laughs> they took advantage of her disability, um, and then we get to see her body stricken, her like legs up in the air, like straight up, like 
dead in the chair in the snow and it's just really mm-hmm. unnecessarily mm-hmm. gruesome yeah yes it is yes <laughs> it's just so like such a wild um decision uh but you know this is gremlins again coming back around to it mm-hmm. uh, you know control the horizontal the vertical we don't control it but we're there we're everywhere <laughs> yeah and the Gre- gremlins does not have any uh um any conceit about control that's a whole anyway um yeah the gremlins are just there to destroy things which we see even more of in the scene after this is the bar scene which we've talked quite a bit about already Mm -hmm. um with smoking and shooting and like there's there's nobody here but kate to witness any of this stuff so like i think this is the scene that makes it obvious that the gremlins do like to murder but they're also just creatures of chaos you know they're they're doing it even when there's nobody there to see them and is it so different from her normal job at the bar Probably no, not. From, from everybody I know that's a bartender, it's pretty yeah. normal. Pretty normal for a Friday night. Um, um, so yeah, she she manages to get out, and Billy is there to rescue her with his car, but then his car won't start again. Uh, <laughs> so they have to go hide in the bank. Uh, did outlast the other cars for a scene True. that is there to um, I don't know, give them a place to hide while they while the rest of the chaos ensues in town. Um, yeah, Dad is still not back. Uh, oh. he's still on his way back. I think this is the point where he is at the gas station selling <laughs> a man a smokeless ashtray. Um, yeah, and uh, when they when they go out, the gremlins are all gone. And for for one of the first times in the movie, somebody makes like a series of logical uh, connections that they're like, oh well, the gremlins can't be out in the sunlight, so they must have all decided to go somewhere where it's dark. Where is it dark? Right. That movie theater we movie keep theater. seeing in the back of every scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they must all be in one place because otherwise that would be that would stretch the runtime out too long. And this is right right in here when they're hiding in the bank is where we get Kate's story. Um which I just think like the Gizmo reacts more to this story than Billy does. Gizmo who has spawned a horde of demons is like Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my god. Like, my girl. One, other than uh, Kate's like, and that's how I found out Santa wasn't real, like, punchline. The best moment of the scene is when she's like, we thought they'd pull out a cat or a bird, but it was my dad. Yeah. And it cuts to Gizmo's utterly shocked, like, what? Yeah, yeah Gizmo's like, like, fuck. Even Gizmo's like, am I supposed to be in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> am I supposed like, to be in this movie in this moment in like, time? Are you sure? Gizmo's I was here for a never-ending story. Like that's what I was gonna sign up for. But then they were like, "No, we want to. We want you, cute, bad-eared creature." I feel Gizmo's like if this movie was made like... in this year, at this moment, Gizmo would have gone. That's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he Billy, are you see... Billy, are you seeing this shit? Billy's like, "What? No, I was trying to find the that worked." Well, I can't because of Ronald Reagan. It's, um, I don't know. It, it's funny to think, like, because I don't know that we've mentioned that Howie Mandel voices Gizmo in this movie. Jesus, um, Jesus. that's right. Yeah. He's, oh, yeah. That's right. It Most is of what Howie Gizmo Mandel. says is bright lights, bright lights, and you know, making a lot of other it's chirping very noises. Very cute, though. Yeah, and, it's uh, a very good Howie Mandel doing I can't a super cute think, voice. I can't help but think if this were made in this year, it would be like Kevin Hart doing Gizmo's voice. Oh God! Oh God! No, please. <laughs> Please not no no. Chris it probably Pratt. would. It probably would be. It probably. If it if it was a new franchise, I feel like at this point, like that's locked in. Like you would never. <laughs> so long as Howie Mandel is 
not retired, then they will keep using Howie Mandel. Like and Frank Frank Welker voice Stripe, and Frank Welker's voice like Megatron for uh, the the animated original animated uh, Transformers series. I think he also voiced Ray Stance in the real real Ghostbusters animated series. Like Frank Welker's done tons of like yeah. yeah they have both. Voice. They have both Megatron and fucking Optimus Prime doing voices for Gremlins in this movie. Yeah, Peter Cullen. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, yes. Like I they must have. Like voice actors just must have been dirt cheap at this point, because like <laughs> oh, without what, a doubt, what is the point of hiring at Colin, this point Colin to like do a voice of a gremlin? Like one word, yeah, he's we're like Spielbergo, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Spielberg. I mean, I feel like especially at this point, yeah, like voice acting, like you know, any paycheck where it's like, I mean, this is who you would hire just for like you need these voices, and that's who you would hire. Yeah, like. I mean, Real I don't quick. even know what Gremlin Peter Cullen voices. Like, speaking of great cartoons, uh, the Gremlins are watching Snow White at uh, at the theater downtown. Uh, You'd think when... it'd be a Christmas movie, but no, Snow White. No, they're like they're like they're the animated it. classics. The only one who's yeah. not watching it again is Stripe, who is uh, destroying the snack counter. He is eating everything <laughs> he can find. Um, Fuck yeah! So they have to well, they have to sneak well, around him. Uh, to to get to the boiler room, uh, which is immediately behind the uh, the screen, well, yeah. all the rest of the gremlins are super into it. Like it's it's like when you you know someone's having a bad time and you're like, here, watch this, watch My Little Pony, and you're like, oh, okay. And the gremlins all fucking chill, even though they're they're screwing with the uh, they only have one reel because they right. screwed with the projector. And this is where I'd like us all to think about the conundrum of the gremlin who loves film but it is their nature to fuck up the machinery that is necessary to view the film and make the film they are destined to destroy what they love and prevent themselves from enjoying that thing that they love i mean to be fair having seen snow white in the last few years those first two reels don't add a whole lot (laughs) 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 like they started the introduction to the dwarves yeah, like, right. yeah, they're not missing much. They're yeah, just, you know, just get them to the high ho, high ho, and let's go. You know, yeah, they're, they're missing, you know, mirror, mirror, and Snow White being, you know, running away from the huntsman. That's about do it. You, do you think you could train the gremlins into an army just by showing them Mulan? I mean, if, if they started working and getting jobs after watching the the Snow White thing, like if they started mining and they were like, oh hey, and then they were running the town, that's a movie right there. Talk about Demon Knight. No. That's where those minds came from in Demon Knight. They were gremlins. <laughs> and then they left it to, to Dick Miller. <laughs> Dick Miller. Billy, for all of his other uh, incompetence in this movie, knows how to perfectly time lighting a rag on fire to yeah. where like he can light it and leave the theater and get far enough away before it burns down to the like open gas line he is exposed two and, words his dad yeah yeah true destructive yeah that's <laughs> his dad would have to, a device you know, for that you know, he's had to know. learn all of this to keep his dad from burning down the house of his yeah, inventions yeah. It, it, it it turns into like die hard meets macgyver for like yeah like five minutes it's like welcome to the party pal and then like the movie and like the movie theater explodes <laughs> you know um and once again, it's a thing of, but see, but then it also becomes a thing of that literally 
the humans in this film had to incite to cartoon style violence in order to remove the <laughs> to remove the gremlins who use cartoon violence mm -hmm. to kill all the humans. So, you know, so basically the humans have to stoop to their level in order to win. But as you can tell, as we all know, Stripe lived goes into the store and now this is where the shit turns into predator slash alien <laughs> and um and like it takes now it's like now it's like okay joe dante's like no this like if you if you let me keep this this is going to be fucking horror this is not going to be comedic yes gizmo's in the car and it looks cute as hell it looks cute as hell and it, and now and now we'll let people breathe for a second amidst all this fear but this scene here we're here to scare people period yeah, Billy gets shot in the arm. Yes. Yeah, Billy's, Billy's hunting Stripes. Yep. Stripes hunting him. Uh, Kate decides to go play with buttons for a while. We're not entirely sure what she's <laughs> after, but she does turn on the fountain, which is disastrous at this point. Mm -hmm. um, she gets the right button to turn on the fountain, and uh, Stripe makes a beeline for that, hoping to get more uh, get more gremlins out there. Uh, and they manage to uh, open up the window and hit him with sunlight so he burns into a fucking scary gooey skeleton. Yes. So gooey. Yeah. Yes. Like it, it roars back to... up. Like sacrifice yeah. himself. Yeah, and when it, yeah, Ben, when it roars back oh. up, that shit oh. is frightening as hell. That's so funny. Oh, oh we can't eyeballs forget, hanging out. We can't forget Gizmo paying off the setup of him watching a cart gable car movie with Gizmo. I guess finding a remote control with working steering wheel and gas pedals. <laughs> He's controlling yeah, it with his mind. And the sound uh, from the Clark Gable movie look, uh, uh, over the him doing it with no real explanation I'm other not, than like it works great in the movie. I'm not going to question it because that's how we get Gizmo driving a car and I want Gizmo driving a car in the movie. And yes. without this scene, we wouldn't have that episode of what we do in the shadows where they have to like hunt down the sire. Yes. Spoilers. <laughs> and, and they have to keep the Baron in like a remote control gar or on top yes. of a dog. Oh yeah, uh, Dad uh, and Barney uh, run back into the movie at the very end. Here. Yeah, I love the <laughs> dad showing up. Useless. Like you're the dad. It's like okay, son. Like have fun with your new pet. I'm off to the inventors convention, and then you come back. The town is destroyed. You're like, what's happening? And the Mogwai is an evil demon creature that is now actively melting to death in front of you. <laughs> yeah. And then when Mr. Wing shows up to reclaim Gizmo. Yeah, they just Mr. Wing just clear breaks time him. forward. And Mr. Mr. Wing, Wing just just comes just... into the house and is like, hey, I am here to get my talking dog back. Mr. Wing yeah. just breaks into their house to be like, hey, you stole my Mogwai and look what the fuck happened. Yeah, and he straight up is like, the moral of this story is don't fuck around. And then fucking dad, oh, he, okay. He's like, oh, shucks, mister. I'm so sorry that I, I stole your, your uh, endangered, you know, time bomb Magical of an animal. Magical friend pet. Yeah. Um, Have a I, here's my shitty smoke, my, my non-functional smokeless astra <laughs> ashtray to make up for all of the damages and lives lost. Ashtray. Astray. Yeah. Real Connie astray. Lingus. Um he is uh the most useless inventor. Very he's just the most useless dude. Like he's like, here's my ashtray. Sorry, I fucking ruined the entire town. <laughs> yes. As far as we know, there is no there is no repercussions for this man, other than maybe that uh the woman who owns the 
that owns their home uh, is no longer alive. And, right. Which is like, so, you know, cannot uh, cannot collect on all the debts he I'm, owes. I'm going to guess that Mr. Wing did not refund him the $200. Absolutely Mm-mm. not. Oh, hell no. No, he oh, drops no. it in. He drops it right there, doesn't he? He walks in and is oh, like, maybe he does. I think he drops it on the floor in front of him. Does he? Because mm. Mr. Wing, keep the fucking money. Keep, you keep that money. <laughs> he should have kept the money. I'd have kept the money, but yeah. like, you know, I'd have kept it. Period. Yeah, and you know. basically the the entire the entire mood of that last scene is Mr. Wing going, fucking white people. Uh, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and yeah. he like walks off into the into the map painting while the noir narration suddenly comes back. But now it's like a whimsical fairy tale where uh dad is like, and that's my story. Right. And just I, watch out, this might be a gremlin under your bed trying to fucking kill your mom and your dog. <laughs> I I just love Mr. Wing's little half-baked moment where he's like, Dad, you suck. None of like your society sucks. None of you would ever be ready to take care of a mogwai. Billy, you're cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like Plus, Gizmo will be waiting for you when, when you're ready to be responsible, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. All right, yeah. bye white people. Yeah, <laughs> he pulls a, he pulls a Cartman. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, baby. You're cool. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, well, I uh, think it's also because just Mogwai's like, I like that guy. For so, and then you know, and Mr. Wing understands that Mogwai doesn't quite understand, like, get the toxicity of the relationship. So he's like, Mogwai, I'll give you this one chance to say goodbye to your friend. That's shit bird. Right. <laughs> and then you know. I can't leave here just saying all of you suck. So I'm just going to say, you know, you fucked up. Bye. Okay. Right. We didn't get on. Now back to my home in far distant Chinatown, wherever <laughs> yeah. this Chinatown is. Yeah. I'm just going to walk there. Chinatown, USA. And then fucking Falcor comes up and it's like, <laughs> is this problematic? Um, that's, that's anyway. His well-known catchphrase. Falcor's well-known catchphrase. Is this problematic? <laughs> 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 hey young child i'm gonna take you to this place with giant titties i'm just imagining him chasing the small children and the boys like is this problematic <laughs> just going to, just, i'm just seeing the scene with them in the swamp where the horse is the horse is dying because of depression <laughs> and and just falcor's like is this problematic ah, it's just upsetting i show you the world's saddest horse <laughs> It's the horse that is dying because he is depressed. Oh um, my goodness. The horse that is giving up. And every um, time that I will ever after that. I'll show you the millennial horse. Horse's name was Artax. Artax the millennial horse. Artax the millennial horse. Oh, guys, is Gremlins feminist? No. <laughs> no, no. I'll give Kate points for mental health themes, but sure yeah. as fuck not for feminism themes. Yeah, that, that's that's all. That's all it has is, is just mental health stuff, and and, is, and, the, and, the, and the need for mental health, <laughs> and yeah. mental health help. It is sure. Adventure Zone balance levels of the few competent women showing up to save the men who are just getting themselves killed. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I guess it's probably a good thing the mom didn't get horribly killed just so the dad can still bumblefuck his way back into the story at the end. Right. Yeah. Like, what would, would he still have his cutesy noir narration at the end with his fucking wife dead? Right. 
<laughs> like there might be a gremlin under your bed. Knowing Joe Dante is a pretty good chance. All right. Uh, so How not feminist. F- uh, queer themes. What kind of queer themes we got in, in this movie? LGBTQIA representation of any sort. Uh, Mogwai yeah. reproduces asexually. Yeah. Gremlins, the, the, the racist depictions in Gremlins and the exotic, exoticism in Gremlins is precious compared to shit like 16 Candles. Like, <laughs> yeah, 16 Candles is real. Yeah, it's got some rough shit up in oh it. Oh my God. Yeah, or, Not just you know, the Breakfast racism, at Tiffany's, but... man. Like, oh my yes, God. Yes, yes, Breakfast yes, at Tiffany's. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, at least Mr. Wing gets to show up, call everyone a f- like a fucking asshole, and then get his stuff back. <laughs> Yeah, he's and he speaks clearing. I mean, he 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 doesn't have all the the words, but like he does, he speaks clearly. Like he doesn't have the the go lightly uh thing that and um he doesn't have yeah. that. I mean, he he leaves essentially throwing up the middle fingers and saying "fuck whitey" at that point. Like he's just yeah. like, <laughs> he's like, listen, assholes, you you guys have had your little fucking fun. You stole my thing. So- you nearly wrecked your town. Obviously. You guys don't know what the fuck you're doing, and I'm gonna have to take this from you, children. Yeah. Um, and this is the closest thing that, like, he really does say, like, "fuck whitey." Like, he really says, "You people <laughs> yes. don't gun- understand. You fuck everything up." Which I think leads us to our next talking point is like people of color and and social justice in this movie. Which is like, for a movie with this much exoticism, at least it does say like, "You people are the problem." <laughs> <laughs> Yes, like you don't you don't you don't take the rules when you don't take the rules seriously and you take something that doesn't belong to you and just think you can just incorporate it like everything else, you know, chaos ensues. You yeah. know, so you know, it was like, what did you what did you expect to happen? But everybody's just like, oh no, what do we do? And I'm like, homie told you don't take it. Homie told you don't take it. Yep. Like he straight up says, I told you so. Right. He's <laughs> like, I told you, I told you don't take it. Now 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 look at this. Y'all gotta rebuild y'all's whole ass town. So that's on y'all. Peace. It's like, you, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's like, yeah, and the thing is, he's like, y'all still won't learn. <laughs> y'all still yeah. won't learn. You know, you'll always vote against your best interest. <laughs> you, you will still just try to take things for no reason just because you want them. So what's yeah. the point? You know, so what's the point trying to teach you anything? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Point. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, you know, for being a pretty rough stereotype, uh, the character of Mr. Wing does get to drop the mic at the end of the movie and walk off into the sunset. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is much more than the one other character of color in this movie, the school teacher, gets to do. Um, I really question how much, like, in the original writing, they had any idea that this character was Black or, like, if it's just, you know, they, they cast the person they want to cast after they had written it. Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't... It seems wild to me that this, that this guy, you know... Uh, goes in after this gremlin that this guy goes through that this guy watches this gremlin hatch from another creature and is like oh let me let me keep that in this room full of elementary school children and experiment on it for a while and then when it's clear that shit is going bad it doesn't just leave (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah like easily just leave the gremlin starts moving and he's just like ah class out early bye everyone i got a gremlin to take care of Buy me some Super Bowl tickets for Christmas. <laughs> I'm going to stick my hand into the darkness under this desk where I cannot see what is under it. Um, yeah. He, you know, it's one of those things that I would swear that it wasn't written with a, uh, um, a black actor in mind, except for that he is the first one to die. 
<laughs> yeah. in, a, yep. in, a, in a horror movie mm, in a yep. horror movie that's, way uh, they uh check that box off that's for sure <laughs> ding ding Bless. yes yeah so uh, it's i don't know that that part's a little rough uh the the race stuff in this is is not generally great and no then, again uh, i mean how much of it is just again yeah we have the complicated legacy of mr wing which again is one reason i'm very excited for the animated series um i understand it uh there's a lot of asian american talent um involved in the production of it so i'm and so given that it is going to focus on mr wing and his childhood like i'm definitely interested in seeing that element kind of really updated and kind of i don't know is reclaimed the proper word I mean, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, but anyway, but, it's I'm excited to see that. I'm gonna maybe redeemed. Maybe I'm gonna see that element of this movie redeemed. Well, I mean, it's like this animated series. Yeah, it like with. Um, I mean, it's not as extreme of a situation like it is with Shira, but Shira really like the new Shira series really went the step further in trying to identify with young people. You know, young young teens and young lgbt people and you know um whereas the first series was you know like it was empowering but it was like sexy lady empowering the same way that like you know that's what we had at the time you know we couldn't um we couldn't be taken seriously if we're like this bikini armor does that work you know like (laughs) everyone's like shut up uh but uh I think there's always a chance because, you know, Gremlins was a beloved franchise. Brett was telling me about his, he had a stripe figurine. Mm -hmm. Um, And he remembers this movie with a lot of uh, um, nostalgia. Oh yeah. Like Like we said, this, this movie was a big hit, like, like 213 million on $11 million budget. This, this was a major hit of the mid eighties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, like it's just like you know, it's it's it was the it was the eighties. This was and this is just how yeah. you know the country was. You know what I mean? And this is how you know this is like plus the you know folks who were in control in Hollywood. Like this is the types of types of films they wanted to put out there. And so and so you like so you didn't think anything of it because you're just like oh okay it's 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 a family com- it's a family comedy horror thing and it's like oh it's more than this. The you know, gong but, element but like, really stood out to me because they lampshade that in an episode of inside job uh which was uh probably written by uh daniel kibble smith who we had on as a guest uh recently um yeah friend of the show um and and they lampshade just fucking the racist gong in 80s movies so to see it like dragon breath mysterious gong ambient gong it's like what the fuck? Where did this come from? Who thought this was a good idea? I mean, other than 80s. Yeah. But I guess that's the answer is 80s. Just like, you know, that's that stuff was prevalent in like 70s films, 80s films. And like it started to slowly phase out in the 90s. And as you know, as things change, as certain things change within within the movie structure and Hollywood structure, although there's a lot of tons of things are still the same. The change mm-hmm. has been moderate. It's been, it's been it's been slow, yeah. You know, but um, but yeah, like you know, you, you if you tried to do if you tried to remake Gremlins today, just like it was in '84, nah, Mm-mm. nah, nah. 
Well, I mean, there's all these this, these fantasy films in the 80s that are just completely out of nowhere. Like The Dark Crystal. Like uh, people can do that today because of the nostalgia because we're all 30, but and we want to show our kids. I'm hoping you can still remake Legend and still have Tom Cruise in it and not wear pants at any point. I don't think it I don't think it would fly. I'm curious like who now could railroad the kind of stuff through that Jim Henson and Steven Spielberg did in the 80s. Like Taika Waititi. Um, I mean, but Taika Waititi's stuff is all like either his own little indie things or, you know, these these big juggernaut. Well, also, he wanted you, to cast non-white people for Akira and the response was, well, we're just going to not do Akira then. Well, and, well, he's he's gaining traction, though. Well, I'll tell you what, though. The thing is, is that you may not be able to do that in film, but you can do it for television. You can do it for streaming and you can do it for yeah. television. <laughs> that's that's yep. that's that's how things have changed over like the last 10 years alone is that that's why you find so many filmmakers moving oh to like streaming, like doing like series or doing like sometimes reading original films because they're able to do the things, not saying that, 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 they, that they're able, that they're able to do the things that like make something bad. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're able to like actually make things that challenge audience that challenges audiences if they want, or tell the stories that they always want to tell that studios were afraid to bankroll. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That, the, the who is this for question is, you know, is less of an issue. That, that really worries me that perhaps Ryan Murphy is our Steven Spielberg. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, like, you know, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I guess, you know, there's there's actually, I think, a lot of that now that you pointed out, because, I mean, I, I feel like there's been a lot of projects that have, you know, taken off on some you know some streaming service because it has you know a name attached to it um and thankfully a, a more diverse group than jim henson and steven spielberg um yeah you know yeah. There, there are a handful of people who can uh you know put their name on something i mean shonda rhimes i think is you know that sort of person mm-hmm. who can say yeah i want to make this i want to attach my name to it and it's like all right well that moves to the top of the list then Christopher right. Nolan, we need you to remake Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm need a Gremlins saying. just that packed with existential angst. Oh my god. <laughs> Where does Killian Murphy come in? Oh he plays uh Judge uh Judge's character. Oh, of course he does. <laughs> because he, there's you know in the in the American director's hands, he is punch. You punch Killian Murphy. Yeah, so he becomes Judge Reinhold's character. Yeah, British director's hands. Killian Murphy is the savior of mankind. Yeah. Yep. So it's cheekbones. We here in America don't know what to make of him. We're like too pretty. Must punch. We got to punch it. Um. All right. Was there Timothy Chalamet is Billy? I think the only the only one of our themes we didn't really touch on is the uh, uh, is the issue of class, which this kind of handles throughout like there's just this mm-hmm. does it you know, or does it handle bit does it handle it throughout or does it handle it a lot in the first hour and then drop it entirely well they do send their mr potter flying out of a second story window third <laughs> yeah. uh, look we <laughs> might say eat the rich but the gremlins like live that i mean this movie is is uh very heavy you know um a cab so and a lab 
<laughs> which is you like, know all landlords etc i think like while this movie pays lip service to class like what does it actually offer or analyze deeper than like what you got in it's a wonderful life where it's like I mean, 19 deeper than that yeah no. well I mean, yeah this is, is about a 20 something living with his parents who is struggling to get by but part of that is mm-hmm. on his dad <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Right. and Which again, like it we are still in 84 that is not quite so common a thing as again i think that would now be a theme like i think that would be a real thing where like billy is if in a world where billy is a millennial stuck living with his parents in under in a underemployment situation where he's struggling to break out and do anything creatively fulfilling as a gen act like and that's definitely his character but i don't think it quite reads as a generational stand-in with billy as gen x yeah well and the dad is the dad apparently is free to pursue his own creative uh the sacrifices this family makes for the dad to be a useless fucking shithead yeah it's a lot yeah um all right guys would we recommend people check this out i mean oh Oh, yes definitely definitely it's gremlins how can you not gotta take it with that grain these days of course but like you know um look this movie makes so many weird and wild decisions that i have had an absolute blast (laughs) diving into but overall my general feeling about this movie the word that kept in mind was competency. This is a well-made movie by people who know how to effectively tell a satisfying story. It's, it's a memorable. Biz- it's a bizarre ride from beginning to end. And um, I, like I said, like it's, it's one of the, one of the things that scared the living daylights out of me as a child, but like, I enjoy it immense. I still enjoy it now. Um, I still enjoy it now. And like, I also revel in all the puppetry and and the special effects there is no cgi in this like it's it's just bizarre it's weird and it's just it's a film that's in a time capsule but like you should watch it yeah for sure Uh, on that note on that note sean uh do you have any recommendations for people that enjoyed gremlins what should they go watch next okay if you like gremlins um if you really like truly like z level movies go watch hobgoblins Hobgoblins is the $50,000 budget version of Gremlins, but worse. And what I mean by worse, way worse, way worse, worse. But like, I'm sometimes there's some bad movies that I really enjoy. And Hobgoblins is one of them. As a matter of fact, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 riffed on it, as well as Rift Tracks Live riffed on Hobgoblins as well. It's awful, but I can't stop watching it. Um, I know other people probably recommend stuff like... um, uh, munchies that's another one of those z grades i, I leave that alone um and uh but like for, for folks that like like horror or like 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 horror movies or like little gory stuff uh check out critters and ghoulies like that's not my bag but like, like i know a lot of people that do dig that though absolutely uh ben what have you got what would i recommend if you like gremlins oh boy i <laughs> Oh, attack the block that's a good ass movie yes it's a good one yeah that's good it's a, it's a much better movie than gremlins yeah <laughs> it, it is it is uh yes that's what i have for 
Um, young hero overcomes uh, quasi fantastical creature overrunning community. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Emily, what about you? Um, if you want the sort of parenthetical context of gremlins, um, various elements of gremlins, uh, you know, you have alien, um, and then you have stuff like poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, which is uh, Spielberg. Um, Big Trouble in Little China is basically the first 10 minutes of gremlins, but the whole movie. Now, Big Trouble in Little China is basically like Chinese exoticism, the movie. Uh, but I will say that the um, the white protagonist, Kurt Russell, in that movie is useless. And it is the story of his friend. So, you know, like there's um, also that person or that person that that movie proves that there is nothing more deadly than someone armed with a stick who knows how to use it. Um <laughs> Uh, the old Chuck Jones Looney Tunes, the fact that Chuck, Chuck Jones is in this movie and, you know, that all of these gremlins are cartoon characters, you gotta watch that shit. And, but yeah. do be warned, things can get racist um, <laughs> with those old cartoons. Uh, you know, Warner Brothers is famous for providing those uh, those disclaimers saying, you know, like these, these things existed, it's not right, but this is, you know, we can't pretend that it didn't exist. Right um but uh if you want something that is very similar to gremlins that refers to gremlins that would not exist without gremlins it's almost like a sequel that's not gremlins 2 there is a manga and an ova called pet shop of horrors Mm. it is about basically mr wing's shop but instead of mr wing it's run by a very very femme chinese man who I think maybe also might be a vampire. I don't know. Hmm. And he has this sort of cat and mouse game with a white detective because they're in Chinatown, America, even though the city, depending on the translation, mm-hmm. we're not really sure which city it is. But um, this detective is trying to figure out what this guy's connection is with all of these weird things that happen because people will come to this guy um, at his pet shop and say like I want this kind of thing basically the same situation as uh, dad in the gremlins and even in the very first episode of pet shop of horrors both in the manga and in the uh, the the OVA you know there's a kid leaving and D who's the main character the the guy running the shop is like don't feed it after midnight um, and then the uh, you know people will come in saying looking for a particular kind of pet to address a particular problem and that pet will appear as a human and people get freaked out because they're like no i'm not here for human i'm here for an animal and he's like no this is a rabbit and then it's this whole th- this like morality play about you know these people learning their lesson about being this or that there's a really good one about a character that's based off of mark hamill but like a lot more tragic and this actor is trying to like relive his glory days but then he and he's like a collector of reptiles or something and then he yeah it's it's kind of amazing so the ovas um it was tokyo pop so i don't know how to find that anymore <laughs> but tokyo pop isn't dying so i think it's back so mm-hmm. it you is, know yeah. with owl house comics what <laughs> but yeah um so pet shop of horrors if you can find it give it a, especially the ova is fantastic um give it a watch and a read awesome uh as for me 
Um, I would say the thing that we've talked about on here that I feel like most resembles this movie and I would still recommend is Child's Play um, because Child's mm-hmm. Play has that same level of who the fuck is this for? Uh, it has the same like comedy and horror mixed together. It has the same like it turns it. You think it's going to turn right and it does a U-turn like it, you know, <laughs> it turns vertically instead somehow. Um, it's, the, <laughs> it's the way that that movie rolls. Um, if you're looking for other stuff that's in this sort of family-ish horror comedy area, I think both uh, Ghostbusters and Beetlejuice are very similar, uh, worth taking a look at. There's, you know, some some dicey stuff in those as well. And, uh, you know, the, the one that I want to recommend, but I really can't because I, I loved it as a kid and then tried to watch it recently with my kids only to discover uh, that Monster Squad just really loves throwing around homophobic slurs. Like, uh-huh. it's just <laughs> full of them. Um, so, like... And, like, sexual assault and... Yeah, yeah. Monster Squad is rough, guys. Like, <laughs> Goonies is... Goonies has some hard points to watch, but Monster Squad is like, oh, guys, like, this was a fun movie about these kids that had to fight Dracula and Frankenstein and the Wolfman, uh, but it's just packed with some problematic shit. So like, oh, yeah, well, that's, yeah, like I said, this, that, that, that came out like 89, 80, yeah, 80, I think so. Yeah. 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 Oh, I was, yeah. You know, I was a kid watching this and I was like, man, I love this movie. And then I tried to show it to my kids and I was like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. They just dropped F-bombs like five times in the first 10 minutes and not oh, the fuck word. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and I think the the slightly grown up older version of this, uh, if if you want something that's a bit more scary and has some of the same uh, creepy fun feel, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing is it's yeah, yeah it's, it's, oh yeah, it's scary. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, it's it's great. Scary. It has some of the same like uh, you know fun elements of of Gremlins, but you know much more much more grown up and scary. Um, but that's uh, that's what I got for now. Uh, so to go ahead and wrap up, we want to let people know where we can find us online. Sean, where can people find you online? And, and remind us again about the Kickstarter. Yeah, uh, you can go see the Ignition uh, issue three double size finale uh, on Kickstarter by going to theignitioncomic.com. It'll take you right to the Kickstarter page. You want to find me on Twitter? You can go see me at Twitter uh, at Sean S H A W N R Prior P R Y O R on Instagram at the Sean P show and uh, my website is seanprior.com. Awesome. And uh, Emily, where can people find you online? Mega moth, M E G A M O T H like a, like a big moth um, <laughs> or a thousand of them. Um, that's uh, on Twitter, uh, Tumblr. If you're still lurk um, Patreon and megamoth.net. Um, and then on Instagram, I've got mega underscore moth because someone else got, Make them off first. That's how, how it's how. And uh, Ben, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at BenTheCon. You can find links to uh, your purchase, my uh, comic book work at BenConComics.com. And I'm writing a novel. Uh, L. Campbell Saves Their Saturday is a middle grade novel uh, coming from Scholastic in 2023. Nice. Awesome. Yay. Um. As for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome58. It's J-R-O-M-E-5-8. 
and I'm at jeremywhitley.com. Uh, you can pre-order the second book, School for Extraterrestrial Girls, right now. It is coming soon. The first book is already out there, so be sure to check that out. And uh, there's a, a lot more coming in the future and a lot of stuff out there to check out as it is. So, uh, you know, just just search me. Um, and uh, Progressively Horrified, the podcast itself is at patreon.com slash progressively horrified. If you enjoy the show, please just chip in a couple dollars a month. It'll help us pay the bills and it'll get you episodes a week early and get you some extra content like us talking about the Fast and Furious movies as well. Um, which which we dearly love. They aren't technically horror, but they're just as campy. Um, yeah. We're also on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod. Come find us, argue with us, talk to us. Just enjoy uh, talking about scary movies with uh, with other folks. Uh, and we are at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. If you listen to us and you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, review, share us with your friends. Uh, we we just want to uh, get out there more and get more people listening. Um, I do want to thank Sean again very much for joining us. It was a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me on, uh, Jeremy, uh, Emily, uh, Ben. I appreciate y'all a lot. Um, and uh, it's just it was not actually nice to talk about Gremlins. And uh, I think I might have to cop the blue right now. So um, <laughs> so I know for real. I appreciate this. Thank you. y'all. Uh, thank, thank you, you so you. much for coming on and talking with us. This was this was wonderful having you on. Seriously. Thank you so much. You're very um, welcome. Yeah, it was, it was a great time. I think until it until it's no longer on home box office maximum, I think that's where I'll continue to be watching it when I, <laughs> when I need to. But it's up there right now for anybody who does want to go check it out. Um, and if if you were listening and you're planning on uh, coming back next week, we're going to be talking about Better Watch Out. So we're continuing our theme of holiday themed horror movies. Uh, and boy, that one's a lot darker than this one. So we'll see you next week. And until then, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and Sean Pryor. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinions of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and is provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod and by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com. <laughs>